0: Hey, before we get into this episode, I just feel like I need to extend a special, special thank you to um, one individual who um, helped make this episode what it was. Um, Just so you know, um, between about the four-minute mark and 20-minute mark, we discussed the Michael Brantley signing and its implications on the Jays. We did talk about other items that um, would uh, stand um, regardless of the Brantley signing, but just so you know, um, the the battle of the podcast discussion starts at about the 20-minute mark. That person... Um is uh Hazel May, who uh, broke the Brantley signing to the Jays. And um I looked her up you, you can find her um on Twitter and there's a, she also has a website. Hazel it's Hazel May Design. So H A Z E L M A E D E S I G N dot com. Now um I'll just give her a little plug since she's helped out with this episode so much. Um, Hazel founded Hazel May Design Inc. in 2012 to deliver what she had trouble finding in the marketplace, a line of dresses made from high-quality, ponty fabric in vibrant jewel tone colors designed to flatter the female figure. This was a type of dress she wanted to showcase in her career as a television personality. She wanted to look professional, fashion-forward, and comfortable all at once. Hazel May's dresses present a contemporary, colorful line of product to the market providing the customer with confidence, elegance, and a boost of positive energy. The designs are known for their consistent and reliable quality workmanship and impeccable fit. Hazel May has become a destination shopping experience for the working woman who juggles a busy life seeking sophisticated looks of simple femininity and comfortable design. Hazel is committed to consistently being the brand the customers rely on for their fashion canvas brackets and not their fantasy baseball information. Just joking. Um, the dress women reach for first in their closet every time. So again, I'd like to plug Hazel May Design, go buy a dress from this website because she was so instrumental in providing content for this episode. So again, thank you, Hazel and enjoy the episode. Welcome to the Draft Champions Podcast. We recently had a Battle of the Podcast, which um, encapsulated a lot of different podcasts and personalities. But I'm here today with uh, Matt Williams and uh, John Legaza, dynamic duo uh, from the Turn Two Podcast. And I know John has, um, well, I don't know, John, you're not as uh, frequent as uh, frequent on uh, that Turn Two anymore, but you have Cork Stats, which is a great, uh, great podcast that um, I recommend. So, what do you? What's up,
1: guys? Nothing much, same old, same old. Uh, it really feels like high gear, you know, uh, to be involved in drafts like this with all the industry heads. And the reason I say that is, you know, the the pressure in the draft room itself makes it feel like we're up against the wall of opening day. You know, I feel like this board really looks more like a March draft board than a January one. That's
0: the can. That's what I've been hearing a lot, um, a lot of. So before we get going, I want to thank you guys for being a part of it and like it's been like, like I said before, it's been like really good in terms of the, the interaction on our group chat, which is hilarious. And like two, you two, two of you in particular are, are <laughs> quite the witty, witty banter we have and you two are um, tops in that category as well. Um, and then also um, in terms of like promoting it on Twitter and also just, um, um, just the level inter- interaction and the, the high caliber of players we've got. Uh, so that, in addition to, um, letting everyone know where they can find you on Twitter is where we'll start off. And then we'll get, um, we'll get into the, a, a bit of recent news, which wasn't really planned uh, as part of our agenda.
2: I'm the worst at this on my own show. I always say, I always give my information at the end and promote everything I should promote at the beginning.
0: I, I'm bad like that. I don't, I, I, don't <laughs> even care. I don't even promote myself. I don't even care. I, I want, I want to make sure I promote you guys.
2: Uh, so yeah. Yeah. You follow me on Twitter at uh, Matt Williams at, M-A-T-T-W-I-7-7-I-M-S. Check out Roto Fanatic at Roto underscore Fanatic and Turn2Podcast at Turn2Podcast.
1: Awesome. Uh, for me, it's funny. <laughs> you know, I think maybe that's why we all get along so well. Everyone is more focused on, you know, hitting record and getting the best content out. And then we think later about ourselves. I've, I've done maybe three guest spots, and I think I've forgotten to even mention my own podcast name and two of them. It just kind of happens. So yeah, I'm at MLB moving averages on the Twitter machine, um, on the Corked stats podcast at the FTN network. And I am part of, um, the rotation on a turn Two podcast, which really is, is a home of mine as well.
0: Awesome. Yeah. I don't even bother with myself anymore. It's not part of my, <laughs> not far, it's not part of my agenda. So I like, what's way more important to me than my Twitter handle is the blue Jays and, um, as you guys know, I'm a, a J fan from Toronto, and there's some recent moves. And I just, I um, I was just on a call, and I, when I got off the call, I see our group chats blowing up with um, all this talk about Michael Brantley. So Springer, everyone knows about. What are your thoughts? There's just so much to talk about in terms of their lineup, who sort of falls, um, who sort of um, loses at bats, and maybe some more moves um, the Jays need to address in pitching. I think
2: when they first signed Springer, the first thing that popped in my mind was. I mean, Kirk, everyone knows that Alejandro Kirk is now screwed, which is unfortunate. I think he'll take Danny Jansen's job at some point. I think Kirk legitimately could be the best hitting catcher in baseball and eventually that'll catch up. But for now, he's he's screwed. But Kevin Biggio, I, I've been touting the whole fact that I was worried about him getting pushed way down because I didn't know what they had in mind. They only have two lefties, had two lefties. They had Rowdy and Kevin. That changes now that they have Brantley. So this makes it worse. I thought that Biggio um is not a very good hitter on contact he had like a 215 expected batting average like a 320 uh wobecon um i thought he profiled better as a nine hitter and a lot of people bounce back at me like oh that's where you put your worst hitter like not in the american league or now there's a dh some people go double lead off which is really cool they they've done it with byron buxton brett gardner and it just gives you a guy at the bottom of the lineup where you could take a guy who's a flawed hitter but really good at taking walks and speed and that could have been there but Being the only lefty that could have kept him at the top with Michael Brantley. Now, I really don't know what they're going to do. Chef Bassan took his best crack at it. I think he had Springer leading off. Biggio still at the two Brantley cleaning up. I don't see that. I think I think now Biggio is actually in real danger of being dropped in the lineup, possibly all the way to nine. uh, But we don't know. They have they have a million outfielders. There's going to be a trade. Uh, it's it's totally up in the air. The only thing I could say right now is, if you're drafting Blue Jays and they're not named Springer, Bichette, or Vlad, there's a very good chance they're not in the lineup every day.
0: Now I'm looking at our board. I saw both of you selected a Blue Jay in the fourth round. Um,
1: now, Matt, you say that,
0: Johnny. I think you you took T. Oscar, didn't you?
1: Yeah, I mean, to me, I, even though I I did expect the Blue Jays would make some moves, I feel like he's you know he's locked in no matter what and. His days off, in air quotes, will probably be in the outfield. Uh, to the other Blue Jay moves, it's funny. There's been a, you know, there's some Twitter threads, of course, going on when major moves happen. My gut reaction was that Biggio could suffer dropping in the lineup. As I started looking at a little more details, I felt once you combined the on base percentage um, with his speed, you know, make the on base percentage work right. A slow four hundred OBP is not great at the top of the lineup. And then you add in the fact he was one of only two lefties with Telez. I kind of came around and said, nah, I thought he'd remain in the top third. Now that they're bringing in another lefty that's also, you know, a pretty big um, OBP guy, right? I mean, you could put Brantley down for probably 365, 370 every single year. Man, I don't know how that's going to shake out. Maybe it doesn't matter to them at all. It's still only three lefties. They may go on and off. Uh, To me, it does hurt Biggio's chances a little bit because of the uncertainty. Brantley, I know people do love him, but I, I think there was a little bit of a step back last year. And, you know, I'm referring to a lot of the expected stats didn't really meet up to the actuals, which I get can happen, but some of them are pretty severe. We're talking 50 points in OBP, Slug, and Woba. You know, his expected Woba of 314 is like smack average it's really not great. You always get really good discipline, but I also don't love the elevation basket on Brantley. Too many ground balls near 47, not enough fly balls at 31 last year. You know, that caps the home runs because a lot of the power metrics are not really there. His expected wall contact was only three thirty last year. That's well below average Bounce would BBE at 5%. So I'm kind of painting a picture of when, maybe when you add in the age of a guy who was on the back end of that Career arc, he's 33 now He's going to be 33 in the beginning of next year So like, I still like Brantley For a piece, but maybe I don't want to shove him in the front Maybe he becomes the second lefty And Biggio stays where he is Zach, as, as a
2: Jays fan, I mean, obviously They're going to be probably going hot hand with this thing And we don't know who they're going to trade But um, Brantley's probably locked into the top four Do you do you think this is an increase in value For him because it's such an amazing lineup Or do you think there's so many DH candidates And you know so many ways they can go Do you think he ends up losing value because of he, he may not get as many at bats as he, you know, everyone thought he was going to every day at bats in 2021, but maybe now he does not
0: That was going to be my very next question to you guys, because um, this is all new. This is all new information. And my question is thinking outside the box is Brentley being a left-handed hitter. I assume he's going to be their Quote unquote, everyday DH. And he's not going to be playing much outfield, but does he lose at bastard uh, against left-handed hitting? Um, It, it like, his skill set doesn't seem like one that would um, have a quick decline. I think his skill set is one that would be like a very gradual decline. Um, So that is a good question. I think, I think the answer is probably in this lineup more than any other lineup, he would has, has the potential to lose some at bats because just we have so many other good options. But to to you guys point to your other point, one of the the first thing that crossed my mind is Vigio moving down in that order. And also who would be a trade candidate? It just, like there, there's reasons there's reasons not to trade any of those guys. Like Grichik, they just signed to a long term contract. They seem to really like him, and they 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 paid up for him relatively at that time. Guriel, like I said, like I mentioned to you guys, he, he was he signed a long term deal, I think a six or seven year deal when they signed Kendry Morales. They had, he has the same agent, and they sort of bit the bullet, um, overpaying for Kendry to get Lourdes. And I think it's just the same regime. So, like again, he'd be um, he'd, he'd be a guy that they'd be I think hard pressed to trade. The Oscar's been so good. He's cheap. Um, like man, like thinking about like them long term. You got Groshans and um, I'm blanking. Their new first round pick, um, Austin Martin. Like, does Biggio become expendable via trade? That's my question. Well,
2: here's the thing. Here's the thing, right? Like, you think he'd play every day, and him being a lefty, most people are assuming that afforded him a chance at the top. With Brantley, it really changes things. But if you actually look at Biggio he's a reverse split guy. So on a team full of righties, he hits lefties too. He actually struggles versus righties. No way. Um, so I was originally going to look into, maybe they do something like Grisham where he bats at the top, you know, and bats at the bottom, depending on who has them on the mound, but I mean, in uh for his career so far um, hits lefties better than he does righties a pretty substantial difference. So yeah. I don't know what they have in mind here. I don't know how analytic they're going to get with this. Uh, I don't know if they're going to galaxy brain this and we know there's going to be more moving pieces, but you, you move, you put your best hitters at the top. I know it is on base percentage. I mean, as a Mets fan, I know all about Brandon Nimmo and I'm putting the on base guy up top, but you get your best hitters, the, the at-bats and he is not in their top six. <laughs> uh, he, you know, he needs to, he, he's not in their top seven. You know, that's, it's a really loaded team. And I think he needs to be down there, but for fantasy purposes, yeah. If you're drafting today, good luck uh, trying to project what's going on. <laughs> Matt, <does laughs> you know, it really that's,
1: does that what? does he ever like qual? I understand it's weird because I, maybe maybe I'm we're mixing terms when I mean, you say like quality of hitter. Like I'm not disagreeing with skill set when we're talking about actually putting bat on ball, but there's another dynamic to it, right? I mean, the guy's an on base machine. And he's never put up, you know, a single digit walk rate in his life. So doesn't that make up for it? And like I said, you're adding the speed, right? Guy's a 20 steel guy. I mean, I'm not really pushing for him in the front. I kind of made my case. It's not very strong for him. But that's where I'm stuck on. Are we worried about how good of a hitter he is if he gets on base at a 400 clip? No, no. I'm
2: just worried. I mean, he's going really early in drafts. If he was going late, we wouldn't care. Um, about the you know some of this stuff, uh, even him batting ninth, whatever double leadoff is great because you're still going to be in for it matters one time, and then the rest of the game you're in front of the big guys. Right. Uh, but I think at bat purposes and not knowing what they're going to do, it matters to all the all the hitters that aren't the studs just because you don't you know if you're drafting a guy that early you'd like to know uh, for Bizio especially you know it's for an on base guy um, who we're not sure about his batted ball skills. Uh, so you don't know, you know, how his, where his power is going to be capped. It's nice. is nice to know he was in the leadoff spot. Yeah. The Brantley stuff, maybe moving him down. And that's a lot of it bats to lose. So it's for a guy I already thought was a little high. This is concerning. We, you know, it's hard to project the lineup, but the, the, the Springer thing just peaked your eyebrow, but the Brantley thing is like, Oh, yeah. especially knowing that him versus lefties is uh, him versus righties is not actually an asset. <laughs>
0: Br- Brantley, this, Brantley splits. I, I don't have him in front of me. I, I meant
2: I meant Biggio versus right. Sorry. No, I,
0: I, I know what you meant, but I'm just asking. Brantley splits. I don't think they're that. I don't think he's terrible against lefties. I think he's just no.
1: A- he's a career 275 hitter against left-handed pitching. It's over 1,500 plate appearances. Yeah. Brantley so, is uh, quote
2: the quote professional hitter. <laughs> yeah,
1: S- come on. Sp Streamer
0: just sent something in our chat. Jeff Passan's projected lineup, or he has he has. I don't know if it's his projected lineup, but it it goes. You guys can look. at Springer, Biggio, Bichette three, Brantley four, Tiosker five, Vladdy six, which could be good or bad for him to take the pressure off. And then Guriel, then Telez, then catchers. Now I got a question. I'm sort of thinking outside the box. I don't know if you guys recall. Um, like, okay, Vladdy's not a good defensive third baseman. He's not above average. So like with their team is so loaded, like you can mix and match like you have so many good hitters. You might as well optimize your defense as well. It's like, you might as well, it seems like you would have that opportunity and having Vladdy at third base. I don't think is optimal. So here, this is thinking outside the box. What Toby,
2: by th- the way, Batflip crazy called for the, or for the Jays to trade Vlad. Would you guys riot? Would I riot? Right. I,
0: no, nah, I think, I think like as a, as a town, they would, but I, me personally, like if they, if we can get like Luis Castillo for Vlad, fucking do it. I
2: like, I wouldn't, you know, it's a thing. I think it makes sense. I mean, I agree with Toby that for the team, it makes sense, but it's one of those things where everyone calls for the Mets to trade like Pete Alonso. It's like, they're never doing it. He's an icon. Like he's like literally the fan favorite. So it's, it's just interesting what they're going to, I mean, I think we all think they're probably going to trade uh, Goriel, right. That's that seems like the rumors like to Cincinnati. I, I don't know. Or
0: I, I kind of, I personally, I love Goriel. I think I'd rather them trade Vlad and get more for him. If, if you're going to trade one of those guys it would be sure? interesting
2: it would be a great trade for both teams guerrero for castillo that'd be cool oh
0: well, um some since he would do that in a heartbeat
2: yes <laughs> they would probably demand uh they, they we could probably nice... get more we could probably we could probably
0: get Luis castillo and like maybe lodolo or something else with it
2: yeah i mean it ain't gonna happen but it, uh, it's yeah well,
0: okay here's my here's my Here's my completely out of nowhere question uh, thinking outside the box. I don't know if you guys recall when, when Gurriel came up, he played second base. Do you show, do you shove Biggio to third? And then I know Guriel wasn't good defensively at, th- at second base. That's why they took him off second base, but Vlad's not good either. So do you shift Biggio to third and put um, Guriel at second base and then um, put Vlad at first and say, see you later to Les?
2: I mean, I definitely think Rowdy's screwed. Uh, which is unfortunate. I this dad- is what I was afraid of
0: with Rowdy. That's why I completely avoided him. I know he has this. St- he had the hard hit data, but I was avoiding job Season because I was afraid of this.
2: Because, like you said earlier, uh, Brantley is making everything worse. Because not only is he a lefty, um, which both both Biggio and Rowdy are, but he's a guy who probably needs to occupy the DH. Which means not only is uh, Rowdy not going to be there, neither is Vlad, and Vlad's not sitting. Uh, so that, re- I mean, yeah, Rowdy is, Rowdy is very screwed. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I, I think that moving Biggio um, would make sense there. I mean, who knows, you know, if they can be- think outside the box, their team would be better trading a bigger piece for a better pitcher. But if they can just trade like Grichick, um or something and get something smaller in there and just move things around, uh, that would be good. Or, or, you know, because right now you're, you're destined to have a, a couple of, way overqualified uh bench bats someone has to go but um to to answer your question i don't know but (laughs) i think that that makes the most sense is moving bizio to third and uh and moving guriel because i also love guriel but it's it's all in what they have planned Uh, all the rumors have been guriel as far as trade rumors so that's where i'm my mind jumps to
0: yeah it's going to be interesting man um it's there's so many moving pieces
2: yeah, it's crazy. Do you see um, Springer, by the way? I mean, overlooked in this whole thing. Uh, yeah, Derek Hardy uh, put out this thing for the bat. Now that he's, you know, if he was, this was in um, Rogers center all year, which he's not going to be, but he said it was independent of the, um, the, 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 you know, it was his actual uh, projection is based on Rogers center, but the overall results uh, didn't matter where he was. He's a top 10 hitter according to the bat X now, like top That's 10 bad. overall. So um, yeah him moving into this uh, juggernaut lineup everyone else is trying to you know we're trying to break down the tinier pieces but the big news here is man George Springer is a uh, is, is in a stacked lineup right now
0: yeah and like Buffalo is good too but last year like the, the Houston Astros were also amazing so I don't think I don't know if it's that big of an upgrade to what you we've seen
2: historically from Springer um, well I think it's well here like Houston wasn't that great Last year, but it was for every other year he was there. But um I don't know. Now that you see it on paper, it's just like, yeah, that is <laughs> that is a really good lineup. It's just overall, it's just I'm excited for this. Do You play. think Springer hits leadoff for sure? Uh no. Um, I think it's one of the few teams where it's uh where it's up in the air. I think he will, if I had to bet, but uh if he hits yeah. three, if he hits third,
0: that could be a like imagine Springer is like a hundred and twenty five RBI guy if he hits yeah.
2: third. That, yes,
0: that could be pretty crazy. I know it takes away some of his runs, but he would still be good in runs.
2: I mean, I could you could draw this up some. I mean, I could see Bisio leading off, um, and and then Springer batting second, and then Brantley batting third. Um, there's, I, you could see, you know, Springer uh, batting third. You can see, uh, yeah, there's a there's a lot of ways Bichette to go here. Third,
0: like I see Bichette is more of a one two guy more than anything. I don't really yes.
2: See. Yeah, I agree there too. But
0: if I had to say something now, I would say that I think everyone's probably thinking this as well. still in bases, like uh, I don't know. I, I now this this sort of take. Like if if I would have one takeaway, I think Bichette falls out of the second round for me. He's more of a third round guy now.
2: Um, I think one thing now that you have this incredibly stacked lineup where there's no real room, um, all of them for the most part are aggressive hitters. It's nice moving Brantley in there to go with. Um, to go with Biggio as someone who may actually take a pitch. But uh, I think other people have alluded to this. I don't think the steals are going to be there for a lot of these players. Um, and I think adding in another guy like Springer makes it even worse because you don't like to take the bat out of big boppers' hands. And they're pretty much all of that. Like almost the entire lineup are people you don't want to take the bat out of their hands. So, I mean, unless you're hitting – unless you're hitting like with Biggio at bat, <laughs> you're not going to be stealing too many bags. It's, it's going to be tough.
0: Yeah. All right. So you guys want to move on. We've talked about the Jays quite a bit. I could, I, I could honestly talk about this for another hour and hour and a half, but um, let's get into our, let's get into our battle of the podcast league. And um, we're going to try and get in as many people get on the show, as many people as we can to sort of do some analysis. And um, you guys are a great combo. We're going to, we're going to look at, um, um, we're gonna look at um strategy in general then we're gonna have a segment called defend your pick uh where i'm gonna um take up take one of your guys pick and and um play devil's advocate on you guys and then we're gonna talk about um what do we call it? what did we want to call it um you're taking one you're you guys we're gonna put you guys against each other john and matt and, and you're gonna pick one pick from each other's team that is we call it a reach or the worst pick in history
2: worst pick in the history of the world okay <laughs> No, I mean, well, I guess, I guess biggest reach makes sense.
0: Okay. Well, we'll, 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 feel it out when, once we get to that segment. <laughs> but, um, all right. Let me get to my notes here. So um, start with John. So we, we talked before we were talking, and I guess we'll call it online or offline, whatever, however you want to call it. Um, it it's offline. Now um, we talked about KDS preference. Now you, you drew the number one pick and um, I know you like to, you're a corner, you're a corner drafter drafted on, on your turn drafter, right? Yeah, I'm a wheel player, yeah. Yeah, that's what it is. Sorry, a wheel player. So, um, go ahead and maybe talk talk me through um, your um, talk me through um, your thought process on where you want to draft. Has this draft changed your mind at all? And um, yeah,
1: you yeah, know, yeah. Okay, so this is this is generally uh, for fifteen, right? We're talking about fifteen with KDS twelve. I think it all matters a little bit less, and I'll get to the reason why. So the reason I like the end of the, of the first round is because I think there aren't enough one, a players to get to everybody twice. And there may not be that much difference between, you know, hitter five and hitter nine, but then you get pitcher, you know, uh, three or four or five, instead of in this draft, when pitching does go fast When you're on the front wheel, when you're on the front turn and you're watching that run happen, you're just stuck with this like helpless feeling because there's really, there's nothing you can do about it. So I ended up with the one pick. I never get the one because I always prioritize 15 right behind one. Not many people put 15. I get it very often and you don't often get pulled first where everyone has number one prioritized um that being said that may be the last time I put number one first (laughs) I I don't listen I I drafted Tatis I think a lot of the you know listen a lot of the reasons are pretty obvious right the profile is exciting he's leading off it's a great team he steals bases plus power Fine, and it's a shortstop which I'd rather do than take an outfielder in round one um I think he's my he's
2: my one for the record too I agree with he's my one
1: yeah. Okay. And I, I think, you know, for all those reasons, I think it makes a lot of sense. So I'm not here like skewering myself or anyone that does decide to go with Tatis in the first round at the first pick, because he could be a league winner. But that being said, particularly with this year and the mishmash that is, you know, trying to project innings pitched. I think that's the big caveat here, right? I mean, we know what we're getting with a lot of the skill sets and we are going to use our same, uh, you know, anticipatory abilities, you know, to kind of, Figure out what's going to happen But what we don't know is the innings pitch, right And guys with steamer and all these projection sites Tell you that's the hardest thing It also creates the biggest impact Because all ratios flow from that That all being said I don't know if there's more than just a handful of guys That we could realistically Ask for 180 innings from And I don't know if there's any of those people By the time you get to the turn In the second round So although I took Tatis And I went back with Gallon who I really like but I like him more As an elite two than as A one it's choosing Between him or like Kershaw and talk about innings pitch You know problems I have My own questions there he had to be managed In a short season and then I think There's a tear down to Maeda and Glassnell And Plesak. so if I Could do it again I'd probably One one go with a pitcher And then make my choice between DeGrom Or Cole to be honest Zach Looking, I think a lot looking, of people. I'm ba- oh, sorry. Good.
0: I think a lot of a lot of people after doing this draft are, are, are biased in terms of taking pitchers because pitchers went so heavy in this draft. Like noticing myself and others that are showing me their boards are now just like making sure they grab pitchers because it's just so top heavy this year.
2: Hey John, you grabbed Tatis Gallon and then you went Tucker Grisham Tiaskar, and then you ended up getting for your other pitcher your starting pitchers. You ended up with Alcantara, Eflin, and Stroman. Um, I mean, hindsight is is the easiest breakdown in the world. But do, is there any regret here? Even though you said you didn't, uh, you're not high on Kershaw. Any regret of not maybe going back to back, like double tapping pitchers instead of taking C- Tucker? Or are you just happy with? Uh, are you happy with your? Well, I, I
1: Tucker Tucker was a really nice surprise. Again, you know there are other elements of everyone's game. In particular, I'm a volume player, and because I'm always at the wheel, there are certain players I never get to have any player shares of. So that was kind of my Tucker play. I don't have any Tucker. I love him. I think he does everything. He very rarely falls to where I can get him. But I would back that pick. Yeah, I, I, I think maybe one of the three outfielders, maybe I wish that I had gone with a pitcher. But even now, I feel like I would have been sacrificing where I didn't want to because pitching went so high. For me, it's a clear overpay. So uh, Matt pointed out I had uh, Grisham and Hernandez at the 4-5 turn. So at that point, I could have taken Carrasco, Ryu, Hendricks, Barrios, or Bundy. And for me, Alcantara is in that same clump, and maybe, like, I could make the argument for him, particularly as far as innings pitched, where I hoped he would fall, and he did. But, man, there really wasn't anybody left that I even really wanted. I I guess I would have had to foregone Tucker and jumped for, like, I really like Plesak, and I really like Maeda there, I guess hard to say it's a really tough rule. You know, I got guys at a value, I think. You just you just refused to bully, get bullied into right, your, uh, exactly. any of the you, runs. You put it right. I, I kind of let this draft, because of all the quality players and because of my position on the extreme end, I wasn't going to let other people dictate my draft. I was going to let it all come to me. Oh uh, man, you named the starters, man. I'm, I'm okay. You know, there are, I don't know if there are any great rotations and if there are great rotations and they're hitting is probably um, skeptical. So, you know, we've spoken about this before. You usually leave with a hole in a 15 team draft. I think mine is more depth and yeah, I think that's just is what it is. I am going to rely on guys like Sheffield, Dane Dunning, Devi Garcia. I mean, there's a lot of hope, Lindblom and Peterson. I have a lot of guys that I, I can make arguments are going to be good, but the range of outcomes are a little wider than I'd like.
0: Yeah. I think um, if you look ahead uh, with using KDS for the first couple rounds, I think, um, so being in the middle, I like, there's arguments you can make for all of them. I I like, um, I don't like being nine, 10, 11, 12, 13. That's, I don't want to be in that range. I can make arguments for like the six, seven, eight. I like that because you're not on the turns and you're, you have more flexibility in terms of where you draft Um, being at the top I think I like being more close to the the number one two uh, in that range because I feel it's more important to me to get a number an early third pick than an an early second pick because if you're in that front end of the draft all those pitches are all those good quote-unquote pitches are already gone so I'd rather I'd rather have something near the end of the second round and close to the early third round because I think there's a there's sort of a tier that dries up um, after like early third round, like once you get to like the Bogarts, Tim Anderson range, where you really want to. For me, I really want to come out of the first couple of rounds with a shortstop because I think it drops, up, drops off so quickly. So I, I'd either want to be really really early or really late, so I can at least or really late, so I can at least get something. One of the like, I'd least want to collect some of the scraps of the Nola, Giolito, Castillo um, pitchers.
1: I, I know we're going to be picking on each other's picks. But can, can we drag uh, SP Streamer just briefly? I'd like to drag <laughs> him because um, I'm replaying the draft in my mind now. And when I went Grisham Hernandez, Framer Valdez was the guy I had my eye on thinking he would fall to pick 60, which I think is what might even be considered kind of high for him. Oh, it would be. And yeah, and, and I was, you know, again, as a wheel player, you kind of have to accept ADP. Well, well, Framber went before Grisham. No, 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 that Matt. That's what I mean. Oh, okay. Had Mike not drafted Framber so far out of place, in my opinion. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Okay. I would have taken Framber as my second SP. Like that was kind of you know I always kind of look down range. I'm always trying to think two, three, four picks down, and I use a lot of worst case scenarios, and generally they play out for me. You know I'm good at reading rooms. I'm using the numbers, and Framber blew up my queue because he was like a worst case at sixty, and he didn't make it there. So that was – I'm looking at it now, and that was a big pivot point for me.
0: Yeah, Framber has shot up boards. I've seen um, Toby post a couple of, of his boards, and I've drafted with Toby once before this, already in a draft champions. He takes him early, and that's like the fifth round.
1: Yeah, Silver Silver uh, put out a couple good tweets about it. I didn't I didn't really get a chance to really, really get into it. The, the basis of it was he's questioning – the love, or I, I don't think it's he's questioning the skill set, he's questioning the price at the skill set for Valdez, um, Excuse compared me. to the other uh prospects, um, namely Christian Javier and Jose Urquiti, right? And I, I think the answer is workload, you well, in, in, and
2: and he changed it, you know, he he kind of changed his whole uh approach and where he, he's kind of tunneling that, uh you know, that curve ball with his, with his change, with his sinker. So I, I mean, I think what he has works. Um, I think I like him. I did the, I did one of my whole breakdowns on him. So I like him. I don't like him that early because I don't think the ceiling is there. I, I don't, I don't think it's even possible. I, last year you saw a giant jump in not only K's but walks, um, which the walks are the more concerning thing, but I actually think the walks are sticking around. I, I think what he did, allows him to go you know people chase outside of the zone the strikeouts i see dropping so i like him um i like him where his adp is i i don't like i don't like him as someone to to pull early though but in this draft it's completely different i mean you have people being drafted completely out of slot so i mean it all is all in a matter of how your draft is going
1: um Matt, I don't Matt to this to this particular situation, because I, I really love these real life examples mm-hmm. and especially putting other bright analysts like you guys into these scenarios, because, listen, they're positions that I'll find myself in. And I think a lot of listeners will. And that's the kind of actionable information I'm really into. So, Matt, put yourself in um mike sp streamer's position he's in the middle of the fourth round so just to give everyone some context he's in the middle of the fourth round he already has an Ace and bieber he already has a top outfielder in harper and his premier shortstop with anderson um glass now please and snell lynn and gray are off the board so if you had to choose between valdez burns freed and carrasco um matt could you rank those guys
2: yeah uh uh, Burns, I would never take Valdez in front of Burns I love Burns though um, If you wanted to skip Burns, which I can see If you're worried about him uh, Definitely Freed over Valdez Because you're looking at guys that are promoting weak contact Like I said, I think the valdez case will go away Therefore, I think Freed's a slam dunk over Valdez Because I think Freed's a better, steadier, more reliable version of Valdez Like them both, Freed's a better version of him um valdez he and funny funny that
1: mike streamer loved max freed last year then yeah. freed went out and had an awesome awesome year and then he didn't choose him in that spot so yeah. like i'm telling you this spot was so interesting for me it just totally it like totally blew my mind really yeah
2: i, I yeah I actually I like streamer liked to... him for his price
1: last
0: year um but oh, true. Uh, like yeah, yeah, he, yeah, he's yeah. shown like the strikeouts are a little bit iffy um and now he's going to cost you more so like I, I know get- I,
2: I'm not even on Freed at his price. I wouldn't have taken him. Um, period. I mean, I would. I mean, Eric Cross took him. This. It's. I like Freed. He's a great pitcher, and I'm using the word great. But for fantasy, I don't think the strikeouts are ever going to come. In, in his in his most dire, uh, you know, defenders, especially Braves fans, like, "Of course he can. Look at his stuff." He's so successful as a weak contact pitcher and that's what the Braves do. Why would he change? It's not a matter of, can he change? Why would he bother? He's fantastic. Almost Cy Young worthy as the kind of guy he is now. So I think he is who he is and he's not going to change because there's literally no purpose.
1: Yeah. Uh, In a real life situation, he is excellent. Yes.
2: I'm looking at
0: some of the early drafts, just as we were talking that I did like in October. So I did some with like NFBC draft with like guys like, Mike, the mouth set up a couple drafts. I set up a couple early ones. John, you were actually in one of them. Um, yes, with me. And I'm looking at one. Framber Valdez went pick 120 in our draft. Wow. Both of us didn't get him. Um, so, and I, I'm looking at him. another one of my drafts that I did, like I think in November. I got him at pick 95. So he is a guy that's um, been shooting up because of a lot of, um, I think, partially because a lot of highly um, successful players have been touting him, and um, like I've seen. Like we talked about, some of the players like already that have been asking about him. I think you've seen Toby on him, you've seen Vlad Settler on him, um, and um, yeah. So I think he, he's one of those guys, along with Gosman. I'm looking at these drafts; Gosman is going in the 150s. Valdez was going past 100. Um, that's what you're gonna. I think what, this is what you're gonna see happen with guys like Musgrove, and um, well, you're already seeing it with Gosman and Musgrove, and and some unmentionable names I don't even want to talk about. But maybe
2: I've selected. <laughs> Where's the, the thing about pitching? I talked about this with Matthew Davis, Maddie Wood. He was, uh, we talked about this draft a little bit on my own show. The, uh, how you judge starting pitching this year. And I've gone back and forth. I, John mentioned earlier, like how many handful of guys can you really expect the innings from? And that's why I was like originally my number three starting pitcher was Darvish. I liked him over Cole. (laughs) Um, I'm nowhere near that now because I backed off the people that are a red flag because I'm worried about every pitcher. Not injury-prone pitchers, not young pitchers. I'm worried about everybody. The Verducci effect is for everyone this year. So um, injuries could come out of nowhere. So the question is, do you put a lot of stock into the people you think you can get more innings out of? Like the boring people like Jose Barrios. Um, You know, guys like that. Uh, Like, uh, you know, you drafted Sandy Alcantara. You know, you like him for his volume. But everyone is going to be held back this year for the most part. I don't think there'll be many 180s uh, at all. Um, I think that uh, I think I put out a stat. It was like 30 pitchers have made it past 180. The last two, like 2018, 2019, 2020, only 17 made it to 70. So I think that the the gap between the the work workhorses and everyone else is going to actually be a lot shorter this year. So there's two ways to go about it. Do you want to t- do you invest heavily in the people you think have a much better chance of giving you innings, or does that make the people that you were worried about giving you less innings um, maybe even more valuable because the gap between what they're likely going to offer, which is still going to be what they were gonna, versus the big elite um, innings pitch guys, is going to be shorter. And if you either believe that or you don't, um, so it's I think it's a matter of how you do that too because if you believe that. Um, you can go the route of uh, Maddie did this. He went four straight hitters, no pitchers, and kind of what John did with Tetis, Then he grabbed his one guy he was comfortable with and then just took value for hitting. So I think that there's a, uh, the, with the entire board, pretty much looking to push up starting pitching. I think that if you buy into the all innings are going to be down, you can take some shots on some of the guys that are considered risks or lower innings. I think that you can have a lot of value if you're willing to gamble, but it's a gamble. Let me, I was let me, watching let me the, the MLB Network that.
0: yesterday, and Verducci was talking about the the Padres after Musgrove got traded. And he's quote-unquote said that we're going to see a ton of six-man rotations. That's and that's the that's the adjective he used. It was a ton.
1: Yeah, uh, well, I've said that, or I think you'll see, you know, teams work in a six-day for openers or something like that. Um, To be honest, that that becomes another kind of nebulous argument a little bit because we could argue that that will help get them to the finish line. And, you know, you're still getting them once a week, which is really kind of the expectation for starters. Two starts are really nice, but it could happen with scheduling that you don't really get one. So uh, provided you're going to get them once a week, I'd be all right with that. I wanted to back up to what Matt said because, again, I love the the theoreticals. And I love to try and stay downrange with my thinking. So, all right, it's very, it's very easy to employ the draft strategy where you believe the very best guys give you a huge disparity from the guys below them. Because the answer to that is draft pitching early and then figure it out, fine. I'm more interested in the, in the other fork in that road. If And, and again, I'm not, I'm not trying to argue for it because I, I, I don't know. But I am saying if you do believe that there is a closer gap than usual as matt was alluding correctly it's a possibility i think then we hit a range where really effective relievers maybe better than the bottom forty percent of starters.
2: Yes, late round and, and draft champions. It should be loaded with elite, elite relievers. You should be loading them up and just punting these loser pitchers off your roster.
1: Yeah, I mean, even like five, <laughs> like guys that are like fives. I'm trying to. I don't want to pick on anyone's team. Well, Stephen Matz. He's not drafted yet. Okay, yeah, that's <laughs> don't draft. Uh, don't draft Stephen Matz. Well, yeah, but but also that might maybe that's not maybe that's not a bad one, where he will get drafted because someone will be thinking, oh, you know, maybe. Luke Cage doesn't work out, or maybe he ends up in a rotation, blah, 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 blah. Is there a pathway where he's even worthwhile at his best case if you're employing that theory? And the answer might, might be no, where you'd rather have all the, uh, you know, Aaron Bummers and uh, Bruisedar Gratteralls and um, Stal- uh, Stalmont, right? And, uh, Dev- well, Williams you have to pay for. Devin Williams so maybe maybe he's an exclusion but you know where guys like that might be more productive than, than a lot of the starters Oh, well, here I'm not even don't
2: even look at uh the closer there in um in Texas uh, I can't even think of his name um I mean, has, Darryl, has, Le, probably Leclerc uh take LeClerc. take the take the two setup guys below him that's better than Steven Metz
0: take the two setup guys below the, the Texas Rangers closer but yeah yeah below Leclerc general, I... why why are you so down on Matt's like, and, and no,
2: no, no. I, I'm bringing him up as an example, as a guy who hasn't gone yet in the 34th round. Um, he's on the top of my mind because I'm a Mets fan. I'm just saying that um, they have, you know, just take some really talented, um, just take some really talented relievers and a couple of them can replace a middling starter in a year where you're not sure about starting uh, about innings. You know, you'll get innings. I mean, I, I think it really bumps up a guy like um, like uh, Lugo. Um, you know, obviously you're going to be paying more for uh, the more elite guys uh, like Hater, but uh, the multi-inning guys like that too. I mean, you're telling me that he's going out there pitching like six innings a week, um, possibly, you know, five, six innings a week, striking out one or two a game. He has, he has three shots at maybe pulling a win. I, I just think that uh, if you yep. subscribe to the innings being closer and um, and much lower than usual, you can all this and, and especially pitchers being pulled early, not necessarily longevity of the season, but just being pulled early in games. You can really start to make the case in weekly lineups that you should forego middling pitchers and maybe try to go with uh, some, you know, really, you know, relievers, you will probably, you will, you will give up the ability to get some wins, but you know, I, I think that you can draw the line there, especially depending on schedule, of just going with r- the r- 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 relievers. That's man, sorry. Man, I'm
1: sorry. I'm sorry, Zach. I, I ha- can't, I can't let you do this, man. Zach just asked you what you had against Steven Matz. <laughs> okay. He had a 10 ERA. He had a 568 wobicon on the season. I asked I, the question knowing that <laughs> he gave up. 3.9 home runs per nine innings. That is what I have against Steven Matz. No, more more so, it's funny. Man, Matz really burned me last year. And guys, you know, because I'm, I'm betting. So I am really have the microscope out. Matz, for the longest time, Matt, I wonder if you know this as a Met fan. Matz had been amazing at home for the longest time. Yeah, I know. Steven Matz was lights out at home for like two straight years he was just unbelievable, and that really came to a screeching halt. So I was I know we're kind of busting his chops a little bit, but it was really funny. How about this? 2019. I got it right here. Home ERA, 2.31. Road ERA, 6.62. And he did it the year after also. Three and a half ERA, near five ERA on the road year before. He just always like that. He blew up on me later. Sorry, Stephen. That's
0: a that's a cautionary tale on prospects as well because I remember because I'm I'm hyper focused on prospects all the time playing in dynasty leagues. I think at that time when he was coming up, I believe, and you can correct me if if you remember, him and Snell were like neck and neck coming up as prospects, and you could like flip a coin. To, to like ask me who you wanted between the two of them. They're both hard throwing lefties and look how, look out, look at the big variance in terms of that, how that turned out.
2: won't <laughs> really offer. I, I mean, I won't really, uh, I, I won't really uh, dispute that. Uh, I will say one thing I'm after. It seems like I've been crapping on Steven Matz. I just brought him up as a back of the rotation guy that you may yeah, pick no, up no, later in a draft. Careful. I will say one thing though. Um, he did really, really well when working with like Phil Regan and, um, he didn't get to work with him at all during the COVID because, you know, he retreated, but he has worked with him all off season. So the person that actually helped Steven Matz be sharp, uh, is back and working with him like all off season. So, um, uh, you know, uh, this is me completely like hedging my bets with me crapping on mats, but there is something, <laughs> there's something there. If, if, if I had to bet on mats versus Lucchese, uh, I would actually put my money on mats. I think the, I think, um, lucchese has a better chance of actually helping in the bullpen he's very effective versus lefties and the mets uh currently don't have one on the roster so i think he's better probably suited currently for the bullpen and i would i think mats will win that job until well, thor- that's an interesting until, point until point thor comes back and steals point. it boo john just drafted
1: nick pavetta in this
2: league Boo. Yes. <laughs> innings pitched baby innings,
1: pi- uh, innings pitched innings pitched innings pitch is a running theme uh i've I think I have them all the way up and down uh, my lineup, right? I'm a super conservative guy, and I'm watching people are drafting players that I could see getting zeros, and so I'm still focused on like guys that have everyday roles. And I'm surprised other people are not. So I'm kind of sucking it up. I was surprised Pavetta made it back, to be honest. Right? Isn't he going to get a full whirl? He's going to get a fir- like a real shot.
0: Unless they add someone, I guess, which is unlikely
1: at this point, they'd have to add a. I think they'd have to add a few people to bump <laughs> him out. Russ, the resource has a Tanner Hoke, who I don't, I don't even know who that is.
0: You don't but, know who uh, that is?
1: I drafted it, him. in this.
2: Yeah, I was gonna say I was sad when I saw he was already taken. He's, uh, I definitely am in
1: on him. Yeah, oh, I, he was in. I didn't even say I, I took. I took so much focus off the Red Sox last year because it was so terrible that I guess it makes sense it would bring in a. He's a guy that I was afraid Jorge was going to draft.
2: Yeah, I know. I wanted Hawk and I wanted Dean Kramer, which I took Aaron Bummer right before Simeon and he took Kramer and I'm sad. But as uh, as Toby said earlier, if you like a player, you should probably draft him.
0: Yeah, Hawk, Hawk's, uh, his slider is disgusting. Yeah. All right, so um, let's move Let's Let's try and wrap up the strategy section a little bit more. I had some questions for you, Matt, on like um, in terms of like the first couple rounds, what do you want to come away with? We talked about it a little bit. Um with when we talked about KDS. Like I wanna come out with a th- like I wanna come out with a shortstop and I wanna come up with, with um two um two two good pitchers, like ideally. Um do you have anything that's set like like do you have a like um a, a set um like amount of positions or do you really go with the flow of the draft?
2: Um this draft is very unlike anything I've ever done. Anyone who listens to all of my analysis will look at my draft board and wonder if like an alien had abducted me.
1: <laughs> what is um,
2: I got stuck with pick, I, coming out of the first three rounds, I want speed and I want an ace. That's what I want. I got pick nine and there's, for the most part, there's a pretty set starting um, one through nine. Uh, it's it's the shortstop, it's Tatis and Turner. It's Bieber de Grom and Cole, the speed outfielders, Acuna and Betts. And then there's the triple crown hitters, Trout and Soto. Trout's the number one, the last guy I wanted. I wanted Trey Turner to fall. I would have taken any of the top three pitchers. I get Trout. Um, that means in the next round, I must draft an ace or I must draft some speed. And it didn't go that way. Um, Cause uh, Trevor story obviously goes off the board. Jose Ramirez goes Christian Yellix goes, and then Francisco Lindor's goes a couple of spots before me. So for speed, all I'm really left with is going double outfielder with Bryce Harper, which outfield is about as deep as a position as you can possibly have. I grabbed, I filled my outfield incredibly late. Um, so I didn't want to go double outfield. And then Cody Bellinger, he's got that shoulder problem. And really how many steals are you get in there? Like 10 or 15? I wanted more steals. Um, I'd consider going pitching, but the top three went, and then so did Giolito, Darvish, Bueller, Nola, Bauer, Castillo, and Flaherty before I picked again. My next guy up was Woodruff. And I strongly considered doing it, but then I knew I'd be really chasing steals for the rest of the draft. And this is a cool league where everyone likes to talk trash. So I have Mike Trout. So I decided, all right, I'm taking out Alberto Mondesi and I, maybe I drafted, maybe I drafted, you know, 60, 60 home runs and 80 stolen bases here in the first two rounds. Or as draft sheet said, I uh, I drafted um, zero stolen bases and uh, and uh, for the, for the first couple of rounds. So yeah, I think that uh, people are making fun of me for the overall. But I said in the chat, I either want to win
1: by fifty or not at all. Hey, you, you called it from the start. Wait, uh, so- I don't. I don't. I'm not too down on the on the start there. You know, you mentioned before, uh, not getting pushed around. Hmm? You know, you don't get to choose where you. Pick I mean you know only yeah. up to a certain extent Right Matt it's, that, it's a that,
2: risk right I was Uncomfortable going double outfield Um, I didn't want to jump Pitching so I thought all right and Mondesi puts me at an incredible advantage if, if he's healthy he doesn't need to be good uh, This is fantasy baseball he can be shitty Look at uh, Victor Robles uh, Two years ago he was one of the worst hitters in baseball Almost went 30-30 um, If Mondesi healthy I'm good to go And it allowed me later To really Uh really have value fall into my lap, which I'll get into in a second, because I was set at stolen bases for a while. I didn't draft another stolen base until like pick 12 or round 12. So I didn't even draft a single one and it allowed me to take guys with zero speed um, and take value. Third round, I had to take a pitcher and Kershaw Maeda had already went. I had considered sack and Burns there, but like I said earlier with the per inning thing, uh, and the innings being, I think, maybe hoping the innings will be closer together. I took Tyler Glass now, which for my SP1 is very unsettling.
1: I'm so triggered right now. But
2: as, a, by, as an, a per inning pitcher, he could be one of the best in all of baseball. And when in 2019, he was on a per inning basis. So I decided to take a shot there, hoping to get Corbin Burns on the way back. And I'm like, all right, I'll go upside. Jose Abreu makes it back to me. Again, I don't need stolen bases. I'm pretty set. This is the max pick in the fourth round for Jose Abreu out of all DCs. I take Jose Abreu. It comes back to me and I'm hoping three starting pitchers make it back to me. Kyle Hendricks, Jose Barrios, or Zach Wheeler, because I want some innings. All three of them make it back to me, but so does Vladimir Guerrero Jr., who's a guy I don't want to draft at all. (laughs) <laughs> but this is also his max what? pick in any DC. So he gets to me and I'm like, okay, I'm going to gamble. I'm going to go upside and I don't need the stolen bases. I'm going to take Vlad here uh, go for full freaking upside and maybe one of Hendricks, Barrios, Wheeler, make it back to me. None of them did. Uh, <laughs> neither did Dylan Bundy. And now I end up with Jesus Lizardo. So uh, then I'm like, you know, glass down Lizardo. I'm feeling a little sick for innings. But the rest of the way, um, I took Steven Strasburg. Again, I think Max pick. Um, and then after that, I tried to supplement it a little bit. Herman Marquez throws a ton of innings. Uh, I took uh, Eduardo Rodriguez to add to my risk. But again, he's uh, apparently no... I don't think
0: he's that risky.
2: The uh, They said he is um, no restrictions heading into spring training, which is all I kind of need to hear. I mean, he was coming off of a heart problem. You never really hear that, but he says he's fine. The doctors say he's fine. And He has no restrictions. So, uh, yeah, I take, um, take Marquez. I take Eduardo uh, Rodriguez, Tanaka way past his ADP. They, you know, people are worried about him going back to Japan. I, saw that he was seeking a deal for one year, 15 to 20 million. I think someone bites on that. So I was happy to take the gamble there. And then I, I and then I roped it together with a couple of boring names like Luke Weaver and J.E. Hap. And I threw Michael Kopik in there for whatever 75 or 100 wow, innings geez. of possible excellence.
1: So oh, yeah. Okay. yeah, I just,
2: hey. I took advantage of max picks all day. I didn't set a single min, which I think in this draft, we may have set like 10, oh, hey. but I set, I set like 10 maxes
0: you're going against the grain there against uh, everyone getting their guys. Yeah, I mean it, this one I, mean, I can't believe you got I can't believe Kopak fell like after not to not to knock this pick but like AJ Puck.
2: Yes. Like,
0: yes. I, I can't believe that.
2: Uh and I, I like Puck too. Uh I'm rooting for him, but you know I mean, I think he's at this point I I would be surprised if he could throw 40 innings in a season. I hope I'm wrong uh kopik you literally he's he's the lottery ticket of lottery tickets i don't know what to expect he could be in the bullpen for all i know if the white Sox are serious about a world series he probably should be but at that point it was the 25th round um and i'm i have a team of upside here so at that point i was i was willing to take it even if it's a a short amount they only if they let him go a half year and put him in the pen that's fine i'll take a half year and then i'll still keep him in the pen
0: See, so I, I, I would have taken him in that round so i'm looking like why did i pass Kopeck? because he was falling way past where i wanted him but then i'm looking at who i took in that round i took jason haywood like okay great it's because i took it but i was forced to because i took jared kalanick earlier on i needed to supplement jared kalanick with something safe um in the outfield so I, was, I, I knew i needed to take someone like that before they all disappeared so i like that Kopac pick i think he got really great value
2: yeah. So, uh, yeah, this is not what I typically do. This is a lot. Of, I don't, I don't like drafting risk a ton, but again, if we're, if you, uh, going back to our earlier thing, if you think that the innings from the top and the middle are going to be a lot closer glass, now, Lazardo Strasburg, all three of them on a perning basis could be if healthy, they are all among the best. They could be among the best. So I like that Herman Marquez. We've already seen what he is. He throws a ton of innings. I think he was second in the league in starts going seven innings. Um, You're going to get what you're going to get from cores. Sometimes you're going to have to sit him, but uh, you know, he's probably good for a three, seven ERA or something like that. And then I took some gambles late. If, uh, if those guys work out in the top and I hit on Eduardo Rodriguez, Tanaka, um, Weaver just bouncing back to what even close to what he was. Um, you know, I, I'll be in decent shape here. Uh, but along the way, I, I have taken a bunch of relievers. I, I actually got Kirby Yates in the 26 before he signed. So I'm feeling Dude, pretty bastard. good. I'm feeling pretty good about that too. I, so I had some luck fall my way as well.
1: Matt, Matt, you know, you opened the door. Oh, John
0: still, just, I, I can't give a pulse. I can't mute. I, John has not talked for the last like five minutes.
1: Matt, Matt, you you knew you opened the door for me to sneak in a, a little money start. Uh, stat there Herman Marquez Every single year Is at the top of that leaderboard As far as occurrence By percentage And as far as total Because he is excellent And Coors uh, is just such a stain on this guy So uh, last year he had five money starts Which means he went out there five times Seven innings minimum to earn runs maximum And I believe that was one behind the leader all year of Henderson Darvish. So, like Marquez, where he's going, particularly for people who are into best ball, which eliminates the core starts automatically and only grades the other one. Herman Marquez in his other starts is really an SP one. Um, <laughs> that being said, do we get to yell at Matt about his picks now? Because and <laughs> well,
2: just, one thing you, about Marquez, Mar- I-, I-, I, I want to
0: say, I want to say one more thing, John. And I'd be remiss to not bring this up because we talked about this before and, and did not have this recorded. Uh, I- would be a shame because me and you had such a good conversation. Um, now I want to focus on that um Erod pick a little bit and, and we'll lead into what me and John talked about. He might figure out what we, what I'm, what I'm getting at sooner than later, but um he threw 200 innings in 2019, I believe. Am I correct?
2: Yep. He, so, he was basically before Aaron Nola proved me wrong this year by being elite. Um, he was pretty much, Aaron Nola, um, like the, the like what I thought Aaron Nola was going to be like when you combined his elite season with his down season, that's Eduardo Rodriguez. He's a poor man's Aaron Nola. So I I want to talk
0: about like the immunity to COVID season, so the shortened season. So everyone had a down tick in innings pitched, and now we're expecting them to have to ramp back up by not pitching as many innings this year. Now I'm thinking like, are there any examples of someone without an arm injury? So like Tommy John obviously screws everything up. That that pitched 200 innings one year had a year say call it a year off a layoff and and then came back and pitched 200 innings because we're like i think covid sort of biasing us because pitchers that come to mind are like david price like why can't he ramp back up to where he was before because he had that year off a guy like erod is another maybe not so good example so what me and john were talking about we went through pitchers and like did we have did we do we have any examples of like in the past recent past the pitchers that threw like like a large amount of innings had like a year off for an injury, but maybe not an arm injury like a Tommy John, and then came back and, and then again threw 200 without a problem. And the one guy that, that I found was Stroman. So in his rookie year, he threw 130 innings. Then his second year, he blew his ACL or his Achilles, I think. He threw And then he came back miraculously at the end through 27 innings plus playoffs. I think John had the, he had the numbers. I think he said 19 innings in the playoffs. So 45 innings total in 2015, which would be like your 2020, 45 innings. Next year in 2016, coming back, he threw 204 innings. So, like, are we are we maybe shortchanging some of these pitchers that um, can come back and throw maybe – maybe, maybe like, Stroman is an example. He's done it before. He's gone 130, 45, and then 200. Why can't he go 2019, 184 in 2019, zero, 2020, back up to 200? What's stopping him?
1: I mean, nothing and is possible. I, I, just history. I mean, the you know the odds are against it, but it's not out of the realm of possibility. So you kind of have to weigh that in to your calculus.
2: Also depends on per pitcher. I mean, not to open up a can of worms here. I don't think Stroman was injured. I mean, take it for what it is. I think that he had a good opportunity to opt out. It made sense for him financially, and he, he went that direction. Um, I think he, he 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 could have been fine. But um, David Price, I think that the year off helps him. <laughs> for at least what he is now overall, like at his age and his injury past, I think that I think if you were interested in him in 2020, uh, you should be more interested in 2021 because I think that uh, he probably could have used the, the year off. Um, I wasn't expecting him to go crazy amount of innings, um, no matter what, but yeah, I think uh, it just depends on the kind of player. So yeah, it doesn't necessarily worry me too much. I mean. I, I am definitely off of some of the guys with the arm injuries. But like you said, if it's not arm related and you just have the year off, yeah, I don't think it's necessarily like a scarlet letter.
0: John, any comment on that? Because we talked about like the we, I mean, we brought up uh, devilish, as an example. I, I
1: try not to get too far into, you know, trying to predicting stuff I have no ability to. But what I would say is we looked at a number of people and I didn't, uh, I didn't, I don't remember seeing many jumps anywhere for any reason more than i think we found 130 innings and then i think we even found a few cases of 130 inning boosts so until i have anything better right now that's kind of the number stuck in my head you know not to say it's totally arbitrary there's a bit of data behind it but it also feels like common sense wise you know Um, You know, we've often used 50 innings to tack on that I never, I never truly believe too much in that. So uh, we're going to find out one way or another. And you mentioned it earlier, I think the sixth day in the rotation is one way to stretch it out without asking for too much.
2: If, if any, if there was ever a time to skip early drafts and draft near the start of the season, it's this year because what happens in spring training, like literally reading just the mining, the news type stuff and seeing how people look, how people feel. I mean, it's such a big difference, um, this year more than anything, because you want to see about the six man rotations, but you go going to see how people are feeling where the velocities progress. I mean, it's such a big deal this year, unlike any other, so yeah, it's it's everything's on a everything's on a per person basis, not just for the the year off guys like we were just talking about, but for every pitcher, every pitcher is a per pitcher basis. Was that yeah, all draft draft season me season for
1: me for making on. fun of Matt's team? I thought that's what we were here to do. I My we to do. team is
2: literally perfect. I'm gonna win this this league by 75. Let's go. Okay.
0: Like okay. so, so the last last segment we're gonna have is you guys are gonna uh, take the the worst pick in the world. And, uh,
1: You're running smoke for him. You're running cover for him. We're supposed to be picking this team to pieces right now. No, 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 no. I do have one. I do have one actual, real question for for Matt and in this team. And you said, Matt, going in, you like to have an ace and you like to have steals. I mean, it's you know pretty normal. Uh, I'm kind of the same way. Didn't you don't feel like you had the opportunity with? I mean, in this particular draft with this particular difficult room. To have gone uh, Story Woodruff, let's say, right? I you could have. have. I could. Goodbye, I mean, I, I. I could have. Um, I could have. I decided.
2: Well, there's two things here because I think I said earlier because of the room, I decided that I was going to try to go for this. I mean, there. It's. 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 This is a really interesting and tough room, and I wanted to win this thing. I didn't want to come in third. I want to win this. <laughs> so I decided. All right, Trout Mondesi. This could be a very, very interesting start. And I was talking with Dave McDonald, and he was talking shit on Mike Trout, which you don't do, by the way. That's just a you know the cardinal sin. And I said, if Trout makes it to me at nine, I'm definitely taking him. So I kind of like sort of had to, (laughs) because I said I would. Uh, But taking Story there, I think is completely fine. I think Mike Trout um, could obviously come out there, and he's he he could put his guarantee, he his money in the bank. I don't I'm not worried about Story like some people are about maybe if he gets traded. I don't think he's getting traded this year, at least this year. Um, So I would have been fine taking story there, but I think if I would have went story and, and Woodruff, I'd have the same star. Everyone else does. This is a stacked room. And if you look at the first two rounds, you cannot find a team that is in a better position than another, except for me who could be arguably better or worse, but I have the ability to have crushed everyone. Um, And in this, in, in, in this, in this league, I wanted to take that shot. I mean, it could blow up in my face, (laughs) but it sets me apart and everyone said there's no overall in this for, you know, there is, there's first or there's last. I want to, I want to, I want to take this thing down. So I, yeah, this is not what I typically do do as I say, not as I do. This was a unique circumstance for me, but yeah, story, story uh Woodruff. Yeah. That would have been perfectly fine.
1: Right. Okay. So would that be, let's, let's put it this way. Let's say you were in a, in a high cash situation, you know, a high stakes situation. Um, of course, you know, you have to expect tough rooms. Do you think you would have been more likely to go with, let's call it a more standard, right? Story, Woodruff is a more standard approach. I obviously,
2: I, I may have still gone Trout Um anyway. I uh, But I the way this room was going, I may have taken Woodruff. I may have pulled Woodruff. I wouldn't have wanted to go back to back Trout Harper, um, but it would have been Story or Trout and then Woodruff. That would have been probably the way I went. I wouldn't have gambled with starting pitching that much because Woodruff, I have with that first group, and I, then I have a pretty big drop down after that. So, yeah, if if I was in a typical league where I was just playing it safe, uh, I would have started Trout Story and then taken Woodruff.
0: Right on. So, John, are you gonna
1: are you gonna give uh, are you gonna hit Matt with your um, worst pick in history? No, I was just kind of busting his chops. I mean, again, you could see the path he took i I really don't, I'm not in the business of like questioning people's, you know, methods. Um, you can't, He
2: can't really pull the worst pick in the world on me because I set so many max picks. You well, can hate a pick, yeah, well that, but
1: the value that, has always been okay. Yeah, okay. If I had to pick one, if I had to pick one, cause they're all really, you know, justifiable. I mean, that's well-researched. What I, what I don't get is I kind of came in thinking that first base is pretty deep so I cannot imagine a situation where I have two in the first five rounds, <laughs> particularly with Guerrero, who I don't – I mean, you're asking for a lot from him at that point, you know, uh, at such a high price when you were already kind of devoid of pitching. So I think that that's probably the only pick because, I, like I said, I get all the other ones. I worry about, you know, the the – totals from all of them, but Matt kind of painted us the picture why, which makes sense. No, you know, I think
2: you hit the nail on the head though. Uh If I had, like if you go back, I still like the Trout-Modesty thing. I'm excited about it. If I had to go back and switch something in this draft, it would be Vladimir Guerrero Jr. I wanted one of those pitchers, Hendrix Barrios, Wheeler. My number one preference probably would have been a Wheeler. I wish I would have oh, taken that. Oh, that would have been
1: him. nice, Maddie. I, yeah, I, really... I, I
2: Yeah, I would have wanted Wheeler there for Guerrero. And then on the way back, I... Not sure what I would have done. Well, but, I'll tell you uh, what,
1: just looking at this room, you could have swapped because, again, if you add in Wheeler, you could have swapped Marquez for like Hosmer, Jared Walsh, or Josh Bell. Yeah. But, so like, that becomes a decent player comp. You know, would you rather have the combination of Wheeler and Bell, or Wheeler and Hosmer, or Marquez and Vlad Guerrero? And I think I'd rather have the first.
2: Well, yeah. Like I said, I thought one of those guys would make it back to me of the four Hendricks, Barrios, Wheeler, and then throw in Bundy, and that didn't happen. It's just worst yeah. case scenario. So hindsight 2020, I want. I would rather have that one back. But hey, you know, let's see. Vlad, uh, for the fourth year in a row, is projected to be the batting champion, probably by Steamer. So uh, let's, let's hopefully he, he breaks out.
1: Now, what about why Diaz in front of Jansen for closers?
2: I, I don't get the worry about Diaz. I think 2019 is like imprinted on everyone's brain. This guy was amazing in 2020. Um, no, one's taken this job. If Brad hand signs with the Mets, he's the left-handed specialist. I know that's three batters still, but he's not getting saves Luke. I mean, hold on. They'll get saves because a pitcher teams are using more and more closers, but Diaz is the closer. I have no worries. I'm, well, I'm, I am. I am. I was you for all
1: things Mets. What was that? Say that. Again. I trust you for all things Mets you're watching and you're, you're eerily accurate and I and
2: I don't draft them ever. I never draft Mets. So if you see me draft a Matt, you've let them fall too far, probably, yeah. at least in my mind. He
0: did, he did fall. I was, I'm always a little bit cautious of Diaz because they're always looking around like to cheat on him. It's sort of like they're trying to cheat on him and bring somebody else in. So they're never really content in that relationship with him. Mm-hmm. So I'm always a little bit scared about him. But I, I trust what you say. I know you're more in tune with the mess than I am. Yeah.
2: One also had to go with, um, you know, I, I, at that point I had glass Lazardo, Lizardo and Strasburg, and I really just wanted some elite pitching <laughs> to, to help me out. So current, like uh, John took Karinchak, uh Gauvier took Presley. And at that point I was like, okay, I'm, I'm going to take Edwin Diaz here. I think that he has fell a little too far. I think he's elite. And um, I'm going to mark that. I'm going to put down some saves and an elite, an elite reliever on the board. So um, I was actually looking to set the min on Joe Musgrove there. Uh but he was taken two picks before me where Matthew Davis uh took him uh as a and yeah, exactly. an even Gossman. earlier men. So I actually and this was before he was traded to San Diego, it was still in Pittsburgh at the time. I was gonna take Musgrove and then he didn't. And then uh Gossman went. I'm like, ah, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna uh pull a, another starting pitcher here. So those two uh, are getting
0: the hype. Those are the, those are the new bash bros, Gossman and Musgrove. Oh my
1: goodness.
2: <laughs> their their ADP is gonna be well below a hundred. Uh oh yeah, I so, you
0: know for sure. Um, so, um, before I I got, I got the, uh, defend your pick segment to end off on, but, um, Matt, do you have anything for
2: John bust his balls on here? As far as worst pick in the world, I don't think he made, (laughs) I don't think he made any picks that were bad as far as their slot. Um, I think every single player where he took them is completely fine. It's, this is more of a, this is a hindsight thing. I mean, I, I, I literally hate the pitching staff. Like <laughs> I hate it so much, but they all you can do is you see how they fell, and he 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 pieced it together as much as you can. Yeah. Um, you know, I like Gallon, I like Alcantara, I like Strowman. Mm. I don't necessarily like Alcantara as my two and Strowman as my three, but I'm sure I'm sure well, John feels the same exact way. You're gonna be weak somewhere. Um, I hate Mount Castle, <laughs> but I uh, you know I think he'll I think he'll regress real bad. We took him in the tenth round. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that either. So unfortunately. I don't really have an issue here. Uh, The only thing I like if I would have said if I would have changed anything from my thing, I said I wanted Vlad back. If if I were you, John, I would have I would have had to have gone Gallon Kershaw at the two three. And I don't even I'm I'm not even a guy who's really high on Kershaw this year. But um, the way the pitching was going, I think that uh, and especially how deep. how deep outfield is? I think I probably would have Alan yeah. Kershaw. But let me
1: ask you one more about to pick on my own because this is a response that I heard from a couple people, and it's probably right. I'm usually in these in the mind of playing where there's an overall, and yeah, in that in those first five picks, it's probably too many steals. I'm not saying like there's such a thing, but like there's probably too much focus on steals. Where one of them, yeah, should probably be a, a pitcher. Like in that, in theory, Grisham and Teoscar. When you already have Tucker and Tatis is too much. And I wonder I wouldn't yeah, I guess it's I guess either I should have swapped Tucker for Kershaw or swapped Grisham for Carrasco, maybe. Looking back, I wish I did have one more kind of solid um pitcher.
2: Yeah, if you had one, because you have a lot of outfielders right now. I mean you have a ton. Uh, if you yeah, if you had swapped one of those for another pitcher, I think you would have been world's better shape.
1: Did you pick up on the multi-eligibility thing I, I like to employ? I waited until I already had a half dozen guys before I mentioned it in the group chat, which I'm surprised, frankly, we don't see more of a boost um, for these guys in draft champion or draft. You did in
2: this league. My God, Jimenez, Andres Jimenez, min pick, I think Dubon, min pick, all these guys. I wanted, I couldn't even get, um, what's his name? I couldn't even even get Segura. I couldn't even get Segura. Everyone's like drafting him, overdrafting all these guys. I had to end up jumping ADP on Chris Taylor.
0: (laughs) Yeah, you feel. I feel like you need like you need like at least one or two of them in these draft champions. It's like, it's like you can't. I I don't feel comfortable at all coming out with like all of my positions just slotted in only yeah.
1: into that position.
2: Yeah, I think I ended up with Chris Taylor, Profar, and Luis Urias. Those are my big multi-position Chris, uh, guys.
1: Yeah, you you no, he's just yeah. Yeah, I like Urias a lot too. I like Urias a lot too. He, yeah, uh, he exactly. covers a lot of positions and he should play. So I have found. You really got to, especially on the bench, you want to make sure that you have a full squad on your bench at all times. Because, listen, you could lose your starter before the season starts. And I found, I don't know if you guys agree or not, before we get out of here, it's actually shortstop. So like, shortstop is talked about as being very deep. And I think it's deep for great players, but I don't think it's particularly deep for quality at bats at the end. You know, I think it's actually really tough to be honest.
2: Yeah, I think after you after you drop uh Tim, like you got the elite guys in the first round, but then you add in a handful like Tim Anderson, Corey Seager, um and uh and uh, what uh Bob and Bichette. After that, there's a pretty steep drop off, and then you end up getting to like Correa and Swanson, which I think there's a time and a place for that. I like Swanson a lot, but yeah, I think there's a very there's the first round guys. And then there's a very, very meaty, like top, like second tier. And then there's like a huge drop-off where there's Correa and Dansby. And then it's just like, it depends on where you want to put Simeon. I guess you can put him in there. I wouldn't, but then, yeah, after that, it's just, uh, it gets uh, iffy. Um, I think I would call that, I, I think I'd call Correa and Dansby the last guys I'd be comfortable starting yeah, at my shortstop. I think the rest of them are middle infield. Um, If I had to start anyone past that at my shortstop, that's that's where your weakest position is honestly.
1: Yeah I was kind of speaking about the MI position I should have been more clear When you like yeah you nailed it There's a really good set of ones Then there's like an okay set of guys right? That like you said have a time to place Depending on your build and direction Which is fine But like the back half meaning like You know there's 30 teams The bottom 12 shortstops are terrible The quality of at bats are terrible And if you get stuck with one of those guys you would be in a lot of trouble I think
0: all right, guys. So one last, um, before we, before I let you guys go and I, I know we're running a little bit late, I wanted to get uh, to the defend your pick. I, I picked one guy from each of your teams just to sort of uh, question you on and uh, play, I'll play devil's advocate and, uh, start with, um, start with Matt. Um, you, you were talking about all the max picks you said, but I believe you might've said a min pick on Rymel Tapia.
2: Um <laughs> You took
0: him. I I know he like basically doubled his production in the short sample size. Like he was starting, he was stealing again a a double the clip that he was. Uh, Now he's projected to be batting leadoff, so I think there is a reason to, um, after digging into him, reason to expect some an uptick. But um, do do you feel just like what are you expecting from him in in terms of um, what he's going to get from you at around pick 200?
2: Well as I said I took Trout. I did not take another outfielder until 13 and 14, where I took Max Kepler and Aramiel Ramiel Tapia. So I needed to start putting some outfielders on the board. Uh the outfielders the one around Tapia for uh for for um what do you call it to, uh for reference is Jared Kalinick, um, Manuel Margot, Kyle Lewis. So I mean it's not like there was options that were vastly superior. Uh depend and I needed to put at bats on the board. What so about I Trey
1: Mancini. I thought you were gonna go with Mancini there, Matt. I are you joking? No, Wait. I didn't
2: know if you are joking. I, the uh, I needed a bats, and I'm not sure where they're coming from for Mancini. I love him, but uh, well, I, my... re-
1: I mean, they made it sound like he's gonna sent sent to that lineup. I thought, hey, they
2: they can say whatever they want. I need to see it in spring training before I'm drafting Trey Mancini, and I hope he's back to full, but I just can't. But uh, but um, but going back to Tapia, yeah, he looked great. I think can't trust the Rockies, but leading off for that team, he's gonna give you power and speed. And at that point, again, up until. 14. I haven't really drafted any more speed after, um, after Mondesi. So yeah, you can't, you can't draft a backup plan for Mondesi. You're either in and all all in or all out. But if Mondesi does go down again, it doesn't even need to be for a whole season, but if it goes out for a period of time, I need to keep that up. So, you know, you obviously still need to draft some. So yeah, I think at that point, a leadoff hitter for an elite offense, who's can give you power and speed, I'm really high on them this year. So even though it just fit my team really nice for the time. I uh, I'm very happy. I think his um, ADP will continue to climb as people get more hip to the fact that there's an everyday outfielder with power and speed leading off of the Rockies. Um, and all you have to do is tweet that out there and retweet it a few times. And people are going to like, why am I taking, you know, Randall Gricek instead of Ramiel Tapia? I mean, if you, whatever, if you're really hurting for power or whatever, that's fine. But yeah i i i will never understand the taking you know the mike yastrzemski the the santanders which i like all of these players but if you're in a need for speed at that point uh which none of those guys i mentioned offer uh he's fantastic like i like victor reyes too but he's not leading off for the freaking rockies he may platoon now that robbie grossman is there so this whole team and i'm i'm listing guys that went around this because it's a whole interesting group like lorenzo kane went the the round before he's really interesting bounce back guy, but yeah, I like Tapia. The, the ceiling I think is pretty immense. And I think that his uh, return on investment for where I got him is still well above where I grabbed him. So setting him in there would have, was fine for me.
0: Awesome. Now, John, I'm yeah. the player. I'm going to, I'm going to call out on your team. And now, now that I've looked at your team, it makes a lot of sense because you do have Dom Smith, Candelario in front of him, like a uh, high average, like, I guess they fit that profile of the player that I'm going to call you out on for not taking. And that's Nate Lowe. So you drafted Bobby Dalback in round 21 when Nate Lowe, um, Vado, Crone, Evan White, like, although they were all left over, but mainly I'm focusing on Nate Lowe. So I'm going to ask you to defend your pick over him, but I, I'm seeing like looking at your team, maybe this is what you're going to say. You had, you had Lowe's profile, but better in like the Candelaria on Dom Smith. Um, that you drafted earlier. Um, yeah, I think I- that
1: was my mistake. I actually put that, that's in the, uh, that was actually in the chat. Um, as soon as I, I made the pick, I kind of had buyer's remorse. I was mentioning before, I was trying to get a little exposure to guys I didn't have any of. And Dalbach just has some of these, like these absurd, these like absurd power metrics from last year. That I just wanted to sniff of in case he takes a step forward and ends up like being a center of that lineup, but I don't think I would advise. I don't think I would advise that. I also have a bunch of neat low already because I-, I was I was big on him as the prospect, waiting for the door to be open for him to get that kind of that shot at playing time, and now that it happened, I I think he's going to be good. Um, I think Eric Cross was actually tearing on him a little bit which, you know, I get there are some holes in this game, but yeah, if I had to go back, Zach, I, I would not, I would not have taken uh, a over low. I just really wanted some a dial I don't have any low. And to those dial stats I was talking about, some are just like absurd. Um, you know, he had a 600 slug last year, 334 expected ISO, which is just ridiculous. You have to completely ignore all the strikeout metrics. He's terrible. It's just it's so bad, but I mean, just like, man, it's so good. Uh, his EV on fly balls and line drives lifted EV was 100 miles an hour flat. That's phenomenal. He had a 680 Wobicon. I think that was first in major leagues. And oh, his expected was not far behind 547. 547 expected, I think it was. It was the best in the league. Number one in front of Teosca Hernandez, Miguel Sano, Ronald Acuna, Giancarlo Stanton, Marcel Ozuna. Number one was Bobby Dalback. So, like, you know, that. That kind of power is not doesn't happen by accident, and I'm hoping maybe he wins me some leagues. But
0: definitely, yeah. I, I, I'm not hating on the pick. I like I like Dahlback. I like his upside, but I just wanted to
1: get your yeah. The strikeouts are awful. It normally doesn't fit. Yeah, th- that's the
0: main thing. Like it's like I think it's like 40% strikeouts.
1: So that's just yeah. Oh, and and I don't and I don't think it's going to get much better. You know, so maybe he's maybe he's a player I should have waited for a best ball lead where a guy like that with that profile can catch fire and hit eight home runs in a week. And totally, you know, be a huge hit for you a couple times a year. Where in Roto, you're trying to pick and guess when it's gonna happen. Probably not the smartest.
0: Yeah, well, it, it, it um, makes me think how much different if he's if he's going to get full-time playing time, how much different is he than Miguel
1: Sano? Um, that might actually be a pretty good comp and that might justify a Dow back pick because you're probably saving, wow, the better part of hundred picks or so, maybe more, right? More,
0: probably more. Uh, and I, you know, me, I was a Sonoma guy last year, and now I'm, yeah, me too. No, I'm not.
2: Hey, can I ask a quick question? This is something for, I mean, I know we're running out of time. I just want to get you guys quick thoughts on this. Um, I always say I don't like to take Machado, uh, in the first round because I, even though he has some speed, usually Devers, Arenado, Rendon, I'll go a couple of rounds later. In this case, they went right after Machado in uh, around the turn. Um, Machado went to, to, um uh, to Chris, uh, baseball pods in the, uh, in the second round, and then around the turn, uh, Drew Morris took Raphael Devers second in front of Arenado and Rendon. Rendon actually fell pretty far, um, but uh, just Devers in front of Arenado. I don't know if you can ask Drew about this. Just what you guys think of that, because I know it's, well, Arenado continues to slide. People worry about him getting traded, um, but uh, just jump in Devers that early. Um, when you know you, you could have gotten Rendon significantly later and stuff, I'm just wondering what your guys' quick take on that is. Just the third base clump because Machado, Devers, Arenado, Rendon is such a weird group. And for as far as the order, you can take them. I'm usually happy to just take the last one, but Drew jump Devers that early in front when Arenado and Rendon were still around was just interesting to me.
0: I'll let John take this, but I just I'll have, I have a quick. I just have my quick answer is that I'm never really I'm never targeting those three guys, Devers, Arenado, Rendon in round three. I'm always looking at starting pitcher, shortstop, and somebody that can get me stolen bases. So they are essentially been off my board. Not that I think they're bad players, but they're just not
1: on my board at all at this stage. Matt, I think to his decision, if I had to guess, he's probably going to tell you he's expecting six or seven steals, and the other guy is more of a zero. And I know you, you know, you're you're famous right for uh, death by a thousand cuts and making sure you don't take any zeros because you know even if you have five guys in your lineup that'll give you five or six. That twenty-five to thirty steals could be worth three or four points in a category at the end of the year, depending what you're sacrificing. Now back to this specific choice, man. Devers showed us a little bit what he can do. I know he's one of the video guys, so maybe we're expecting a return. You know, we did. Maybe we're expecting returns to the three hundred-plus average we saw in twenty nineteen. But man, it's hard, it's hard, hard, hard if we're getting to like hit tool arguments to go anywhere. But Arenado, he is a, you know, is a perennial MVP. I guess that was my main question to you guys.
2: Again, I wouldn't really, I'm not going to sit here and argue. I like all three guys, Rendon, Arenado, and Devers. I'll take whoever falls. You know, I, I do agree with uh, with Zach to a point where, you know, it may not have been what I'm looking for, but of the three, I'll just take whoever falls. But uh, how do you guys rank them? Um, it's just interesting because I would never take one of the other two if Arenado was on the board. I don't see me getting Arenado uh, because, like I said, I will take whoever falls of the three, but it's usually not him. Um, do either of you have Devers or Rendon in front of Arenado? Uh, it's, it's more of a how far – what do you guys no. think of knowing basically I, I would I would take
0: Arenado over both of them. Rendon and Devers would be a tough decision for me, mm-hmm. but I, don't, I never usually have to make this decision because, like I said, I'm not targeting them here, but yeah. um, I, I would have Arenado first.
1: Man, yeah, it's hard not to take Arenado first. I mean, like I said, prototypical round one hitter. Um, I'm not even sure why. This this discount seems to still be from that, like, right? There was, like, news that he was unhappy and they may move him or something like that, which doesn't really seem like it's going to happen. But this seems like that kind of penalty, I, I, don't, I don't see how you could take any any one of them before Arenado I could see in a case where I had no steals, maybe the seven steals I expect from Devers tips the scales. But at the end of the day, I'm probably with both is that they both become a pass. And I've been a big Rendon guy, Matt. You remember, I was was pumping that hit tool, man. I love what he does as a hitter. But hey, man, with best ball being out there the way it is, I'd rather get those guys in a best ball. Like Rendon and Arenado are first, second round players in the best ball league. And in Roto, I think they're hard to price and fit into a balanced squad up there.
2: Yeah, I mean, I mean, it, it, this is splitting hairs on on three guys. It may not matter much, but it's I don't know. I, for some reason I find the top group of third baseman fascinating to talk. Doesn't
1: about. it remind you of of second baseman last year a little bit? Where yeah. at the same spot on the in the board we had Albies, Heyora, Marte, and Marte all going next to each other right in that spot. It's funny. They swap for third baseman. And I feel the same way that I'm like, ah, I don't know if I can really choose one. Maybe I'll just take the last one. Then I thought maybe you need one of the three guys that ended up being wrong. Those second basemen were not particularly profitable. So I don't know. So before,
0: before I let you guys go and 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 one of the main reasons, um, that this draft is so fascinating and, and, and I'm so happy we did this is because I get to, pick the brains of all these smart people that are in this draft and it's like, it's such a hard room. So what I want, what I want before I let you go, the last thing I promise, pick apart my team, give me one thing that I've screwed up because I want to, I want, I, I want to learn from this draft. So each of you, I want to hear something that I've screwed up in, on this draft.
2: This is personal preference, but I jumped straight to Liam Hendricks. I don't believe in drafting closers that early, but that's more of a personal preference thing. I don't hate Liam Hendricks. I think he's great. Um, but I, you know, they, again i don't think in the end there's going to be a difference between him and edwin diaz who i drafted several rounds later um so yeah i probably with uh, i probably would have filled another need there i
0: i agree I, den- I generally don't want to draft closers early but um i just didn't love anything at that stage so i wanted to hit one closer and i figured if i didn't love anything i figured something in, around that turn like be- between springer t oscar grisham ozuna i'm like hoping something falls back to me
2: Okay. One, one more thing before John goes just real quick. Um, uh, you know, Dave McDonald can defend this guy too, but Dylan Moore, I don't get it. Eighth round Dylan Moore. Tell me your tale. Why, why, why the Dylan Moore? Why?
0: Me and Dave been talking offline about this. I said people like, I think why, because he has so many ways that he can help you in stolen bases and home runs. I feel that his projections, which are people like so many smart players use projections. He projected for like a two twenty two thirty 20, batting average. I don't think that's right. I think that, um, he, they're pro- like, within those projections, he has like a 27% strikeout rate. He's never had that high of a strikeout rate in the minor. He's always been a very good, um, uh, hitter for, um, uh, K minus walk. And I think, um, he was hovering around that 30% mark in the major leagues. Um, he had a rough 2019, which may be factoring too much into his, um, projections, um also his babbitt in his projections is way lower than any of his career marks so that's just throwing a little bit of cold water on the projections but i think that if if he is going to play every day and i think that he is and i think that he's a really good hitter and i've watched a lot of his at bats on savant that he has really good power and he's a very strong guy that he goes he goes opposite he's not like a he's not like an Odor where he's just like a, he he's like uh he'll get you like 10 15 stolen bases and he's an all-or-nothing player that could. Really sink your average. I think that he's he's got a he's got a better plate approach than that. Um, I could go on, but I don't know. I just like him.
2: Um, I mean, this is this is pot calling the kettle black because I'm relying on Aldoberto Monesi. It just seems like after bets, you're leaning on him pretty hard because you basically you're you're getting your steals from bets more and Segura. Outside of that, you don't have many options that are really like dependable, I should say. So, I mean, you're really confident in Dylan Moore. I'm not, um, so everything you were saying, like you're, you really expecting this to pay off.
0: Uh, yeah. I, I expect him to do well. I expect him to take that job. Um, like, is it a risky pick? Yes. Do I have a lot of shares of him? Yes. Am I over-invested in him? Yes. Um, <laughs> uh, but um these leagues, like you sort of want to get your guys and this is the battle of the podcast. And like, yeah, like I believe in him. I want to, I want to grab like more and some of the other guys I've taken in this draft. So I hear what you're saying. And I'm like, and by no means am I like, am I saying that he could not fall off the map here, but, um, at, at pick past 100, I'm like, that's just, that's just about where I feel like the risk is right. Like, would I like to get him at 130? Yeah, that's probably better, but
2: I will say if you look at the round before, if you look at like the round before and the couple rounds after, there's like no stolen bases. (laughs) So you are, you definitely grab stolen bases in that area where um, they were really off the board already, or they were really flawed later. So it is an interesting spot to take him because he's kind of an island of there's not, I mean, other than like Tommy Pham, there's really no one drafted in like a three round range that even offers stolen bases, let alone a ton of them.
0: Yeah, it's t- it gets tough it gets tough and I and to to be honest I am somewhat relying on clinic for stolen bases once he's up because the mariners <laughs> run a shitload. and he and he has that skill set so i I, I expect clinic to get me 15 bags this year okay
2: all right John rip them apart buddy
1: <laughs> John <laughs> John's gone <laughs> no 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 i just I was muted because I was screaming and cursing that you guys were trying to uh, hide the 800-pound gorilla in the room of Zach's team. That is, there's no pitching. I I don't mean like it's bad. like There isn't any. You don't have, there isn't any. So maybe we approach these things differently. I approach them as an obsessive, compulsive, paranoid, lunatic, scared that all of my players are always going to be injured every time they pick up the baseball. So the way I counter that paranoia is by trying to stack innings okay so let's look at your team Zach and where you are beyond your ninth pitcher three four five six seven eight nine okay so I have questions about pitchers in your nine uh namely Pineda TJ Antone I don't know what you can expect from him don't get me wrong I like him uh, he does some nice stuff but you know this is a guy who the majority of his outings were 30 pitches or less last year he didn't crack he didn't he only cracked 80 pitches twice other than that, he only cracks 63 more than that of all his appearances. So I don't know what kind of workload we could realistically expect to get through a 162-game season. Now, remember, he's part of your nine. Now, after your nine. So now we're beyond your nine. You've experienced your first injury because, again, it's only January. Brian Garcia, Josh Stamont, and Garrett Richards. I guess, you know, I guess, whatever. We, we were saying with relievers having value, you could play Stalmont maybe even every week. Stomach you know will gonna... be the
2: closer for the Royals. Yeah, probably.
1: And you, it's going to hurt you, um, you know, with, with volume. I, I know he strikes out guys, but not with the amount of innings. Same thing for Richards. It's very hit or miss. You know, the health is always a serious concern. And that's it. So like, your cupboard feels very bare already. And the reason I say this to compare it to mine, who took it this, you know, really scared approach to pitching. Now, if we go beyond my nine... I'm working on nearly a full rotation already. We're in round 35. We're getting to the end. The cupboards are almost certainly bare for innings pitch. And I have David Peterson, Josh Limbohm, Kyle Wright, Alec Mills, and Nick Pavetta. And I understand there's warts on pretty much all these guys, although there's a lot to like about Limbaugh. There's a lot to like about Peterson as like a back-end starter. And I think the same we said for Kyle Wright, who started to turn around at the end of the year, and we may get the prospect we were hoping to get this year, And I think he's a gold mine pick. Um, but just to pure volume, like I can lose guys and I have next men up that are going to be getting the ball every five days, hopefully go on five or six innings where I don't see that from your team. And I don't know where you're going to find it now. Right. Cause okay. Matt, yeah, Matt, Matt poked me on Pavetta and rightfully so. Um, but at least there's a pathway to a starter. And I'm curious, I'm going to be watching how you try and bridge the rest of that gap because um, we talk about roster construction, right? You have 50 rounds and there's 22 spaces. So in theory, you should have at least one man up for every spot, at least one. Meaning that you need at least 18 pitchers. So by that math, you need another 15 guys you know we only have 15 rounds left so i'm stressing my math i guess a little bit but you're gonna have to take majority of pitchers and i don't know where the innings gonna come from
2: he was a lot more mean than me
1: (laughs) Uh, i like that so i got i got
0: two i got two responses i got a joke i got a joke response and i got a real response for that um and and you did you did like alert me you you, you've, you've put my radar up to my pitching staff more than i realized i admit number one you didn't know who Tanner Hork it Hulk is. True. So you're critiquing my pitching staff without knowing who he is.
1: But hold on, he was in the front eight. I said that I had questions oh. about the front eight. And was he? Now that he was I know about him. Hold on, you because you do have to defend a starter, right? This guy has I'm looking at it now, he has hundred and twenty innings pitched total over the past, you know, two and a half calendar years. So like, what's a realistic expectation? It's funny though. Well, Steamer has him for 140. So I guess if you get that from him, fine. But it, you didn't really address my main concern is beyond the nine because you need extra guys.
0: No, know that's just that's a fair comment. I was more just busting your balls on that. But yeah,
1: uh, I'm a little upset that I missed on that one, and that's why we're here, right? This is not me picking on you. This is me learning as well. Um, I just added him to all of my best ball lists, my cues to make sure that I keep him in mind. You know, that's what we're all doing here.
0: Right. So I, I would say that, um, and I've, I've um, this, I'm not, I'm not saying that I'm copying this, this approach, but I've seen that Phil Dessau and Toby, they tend to get their pitches last in these drafts and these drafted yeah. holds. And I find that to be, I find that to make a lot of sense because if you look at the, the players I've been grabbing recently, when you've been grabbing your Alec Mills and Pavetta, they're the Tyler O'Neill's Anderson Tejada's Brendan Rogers. They're guys that, that are probably going to be helpful at some point this year, maybe not a, not right away, but these position players, having been in these DCs a lot, they dry up real quickly.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: You're, like we're almost at that point where there's nothing good left um, yeah. in terms of these position backup, backup players. So I want to really make sure I get um, my backups. And I'm not just, I, I'm, I'm weak in some areas there too, because like you mentioned, shortstop, I really wanted Orlando Arcia that you took. Now I'm stuck with um, Anderson Tejada and Jose Garcia. Two, those are two players I like, um, but they're no sure things at all. Um, wow.
1: That's, you actually bring up a good point. Cause I had mentioned, I had mentioned this to, I think I mentioned it to Matt when it went down. Yeah. I actually, I made a mistake. I, I took Arcia by accident um, on my phone, the way the NFBC draft is it's weird. I was, I thought I was bringing his name up to draft and I had just added him to the queue. And I, I meant to pick Jose Iglesias. So if you were looking for that shortstop, Zach, I wonder why he didn't do it. He didn't do it for you where you took. Um, oh, see, so you took Stalmont and you needed that already. Yeah, Stalmont was kind of an important guy for me. But you had already taken Garcia. I guess you didn't want to make the sacrifice.
0: Uh, Brian Garcia?
1: Yeah, see, the, I, you took Garcia. I took Orcia. Yeah. And you went Stalmont and then Iglesias went right after
0: Yeah, I'm not a big guy. I'm going to Glacius and uh, I didn't expect RCA to go that early. So that's what I was thinking.
1: Yeah, yeah, I know. It's funny that that stress that we're talking about, it kind of manifests in weird ways, right? You never know. There's so many sharp players that you never know who's got their eye up the range right? and is, you know, you know, it's just ready to pay the premium that we're not. Right. All right. Well,
0: um, we did have one question and maybe we can knock it off quickly. When would you take Syndergaard, Severino or Sale? he's asking us that question. Um, that's uh, Marshall Witzberger.
2: I, uh, I'm not taking, um, Chris Sale period. Um, I'm not taking Luis Severino period. I am taking Noah Syndergaard. Uh, because possible bias, but I've seen him throwing off the mound. He looks perfectly fine He's moving along strong. The only worry with me is that he could overdo it, which he tends to do Of the three he's the actually only one I think has a chance of pitching to his actual potential this year So that is my reason there. But as far as when I would take him It would really really depend on my team. Um, I know I was considering him literally. Um the uh, right after he went like he was someone I was not like seriously considering I'm trying to find him here um which I guess
1: draft sale Matt sale went 17 and Syndergaard went 22
2: yeah I think 20 then 22 then because I picked uh yeah I picked uh who did I take I just took Louis Sirius I really needed someone there so I would have never um been taken Syndergaard but uh then my next pitcher up was like Luke Weaver <laughs> to give everyone an idea of like where I was around. I think that's an appropriate spot to start taking your shots because um, you're really whittling down the amount of people that are guaranteed to give you some semblance of innings. So that, that I think that he went in an appropriate spot. I think he can go maybe around before, but then around before you're still looking at Taiwan Walker, Griffin Canning, uh, Robbie Ray, you know, flawed, but with strikeouts. So I think you want to wait until like after there, and uh, before you start taking a shot on guys like that.
1: Yeah, I think I'm with Matt. I mean, I, let me say this, because again, we talk about formats all the time. If it's a redraft league with ads, I don't want any of them. I'm not to holding these guys, waiting for them to come around. I find in my experience, these guys get drafted. And oftentimes, particularly with a shallow bench, they end up getting dropped because of injuries. And then that's where like, I'm more like, I have those guys more on my radar to be added if they're dropped. And if we're Mm -hmm. talking about drafted holds, uh, it's going to depend on the surrounding talent. So Matt Matt made a really good point, right? So uh, Sale went in the 17th. I drafted the pitcher before him was Justice Sheffield, and Tristan McKenzie went also right before him. After him, you would have gotten Christian Javier, Sean Minaya, Yusei Kikuchi. I know they're not world beaters, but I'd rather have all of those guys.
2: Well, here, the round after sale, James Paxton went. If you just want to talk about injury risks, I mean, who has a better chance of actually returning a bunch of value this year? I mean, Paxton's going to start the season probably.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's good enough when he's out there.
2: Well, I'm saying sale when he comes. The, the thing with sale in Syndergaard and Panita, any of them, is that they're not going to be themselves when they come back. They're going to have a ramp up period. So you're not getting like a half a season of good sale. You're getting maybe a quarter of a season, and maybe well, not we've even We've
1: also that. seen the bad sale, yeah, which is pretty bad. So it's not even so much like um, oh, I'm trying to think of somebody. Uh, let me think. Of, how about like a Max Scherzer? Right, Max Scherzer just seems impervious to all, all this stuff. Right, the guy has a groin surgery or a back problem and. You, you know, we don't know if he can give you 35 starts, but we do know when he's out there, you expect a certain level that he's always maintained. That's not the case for Chris Sale. The walks, the wildness, and the lack of distance. Like, he, he has his own problems. The fact he's going first and he's surrounded by innings pitched is a, is a no. Um, I'd rather, I drafted them, but I'd rather have half the guys I drafted after him than him. Like, I'd rather have Dean Dunning or Debbie Garcia than Chris Sale. Um, Syndergaard, Matt, you make a you make a really good point. He went before I was ready to take him in that 22-23 wrap. I was hoping he might have fallen because um now because I think there's another side to this answer, right? People say where would you take him? And sometimes the answer isn't exact round. It might just be after all my starting spots are full, right? So I wouldn't reach for any of these guys where they're maintaining a starting spot because of the replacement of the other available picks. But once I'm filling up a bench, particularly in a drafting mold, listen, guy like Syndergaard has a chance of performing like an SP two whenever he's out there.
2: Although I think they're never going to fall to the point where anyone would have nine pitchers already. I don't think they're ever falling that far.
1: Well, it would have happened here if if uh, Chris didn't take Syndergaard. Uh, it would have been it would have been me. Oh, the, oh, okay, all right. Yeah, then. and and Severino. Um, he's even further back. Yeah. And I think, Matt, I think, I think that kind of he's right on that like bubble. So it's probably not gonna be someone I end up with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I took I took Luis urias and Josh Naylor
2: in 22 and 23. I probably wouldn't have taken Cindergard there, but if it got back around to me and I was considering Luke Weaver or Cindergard, I would have taken Cindergard in 24.
1: Yeah. Oh, that's an excellent comp, Matt. I would absolutely take Cindergard of a Weaver. I don't like Weaver at all, but I would definitely take Cindergaard.
2: Hey, Zach's on the board. Are you taking a picture? You're on the call? Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely going to take a
0: picture, actually, <laughs> across um, to, or, Odor, because I've been looking, I've been staring at Odor, because I do have Anderson Tejada, and I'm trying to just, I'm like, this would be such a safe thing to take Odor and pair him with Tejada, because it's sort of like, you're getting, oh, like, John knows what I'm talking about, you're getting the Monopoly boards. Of, right, the Coral of Picks. You're, you're getting the Monopoly boards of Texas Rangers striking out. So, um, um, but I'm just looking at Rod Odor and he's just so bad. And I, and I've looked at him for the last three rounds and he's just so bad. So I, I haven't taken him.
1: I was talking about with innings pitch. So I'm looking at the board right now. You know, you could choose if you need innings, you got Danny Duffy. He's got hey, a spot. No help. You're going you're gonna to sniping me with your advice.
2: To I'm, not I'm not taking Danny Duffy. Well, no, I
1: don't. done.
2: Um, kid, I'm still, like he, he's
0: He's on my Dunn's on my radar Like I might have taken him But I, I'm worried about That six-man rotation But he was like Right at the top of my list I might grab him And there's a couple guys just, that
1: are Just to the point of of Let's talk quantity And not quality Looking but, at Martin Perez
0: too um,
1: Oh, I, you know I didn't see him Yeah, that's He absolutely checks The box there he's I, not good I don't think There's Martin but, Perez And there's John and A lot of it is situational You know, like uh you know, listen. There's guys with upside, but I don't know if you can take them and stash them. I mean, how about Matt Chris, Shoemaker. On Chris Archer being being a good again. Ugh,
0: no, I got too much injury to risk. I have Kluber and uh, Kluber and Pineda. You want me to grab Archer too?
1: Yeah, but we are going <laughs> to. Oh, go? you're going to go to Kyle Gibson. He's going to get innings like those innings. Oh, he's, he's awful. Innings. No. But that's my. This is the Kyle Gibson. Of-
0: like, th-
2: like no. Um, it wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't just no. punt pun pitching. Just punt it. Take Chris Davis.
0: I think Justin. Dunn, I think I'm going to take Justin Dunn. He's really good, but I'm worried about that six man rotation. That's who I'm leaning towards. Like, I'm, there's also relievers. There's a couple. There's a couple guys here. I'm, I'm definitely going to take a pitcher first.
2: Uh, you criticize Edwin Diaz, and then you take Jared Kalenic and Justin Dunn. Is this some kind of fucking jab at me? For <laughs> <laughs> you know what?
0: I never, I never even thought about that. Man, uh,
1: I am scrolling. You know what? You know what? Just because of that fucking <laughs> Justin Dunn. There are not uh, many innings, man. There are not a lot of innings. Boston but- College. I love that kid. Man, I had to go really far down from our team Perez. Uh, that ADP is going to come up 100 picks, I would think. Not that I, I mean, 100 picks means a lot less when you're at 650. But um, he should, should I be. Not, should going, I not
0: have said that? Oh, shit. Now maybe I. No,
1: no, man. We're all. Listen, good luck. Good luck having him come back to you, my brother. You know, innings pitch. I'm telling you, they're so tough. I, I like to vocalize these things, right? You see, I see Duffy. You took Dunn. You got Kyle Gibson, Chris Archer. Johnny Cueto. Now you scroll. It's funny.
2: I'm I'm considering two pitchers. I'm up in three picks. I'm considering two pitchers that you haven't mentioned in that giant
1: group. Ooh, and is it an innings thing? Rich Hill, Shoemaker. Oh, you're a Shoemaker guy, aren't you, Matt? I am. I'm not taking Shoemaker. Listen, he's effective. He's effective
2: when he's out there. How about this? You uh, you recently sent me some data that turned me on to possibly taking
1: the guy I'm about to take. Well, neither one of us picked before you do, and the podcast won't be out. I think you can give it to us. Zach picked already, so it's you're you're up next. Um,
2: okay, yeah, I'm I'm considering two pitchers there, Rich Hill, because mm-hmm. you know it's Rich Hill. If he's innings, out there, he's innings, good. Quality the, innings. The interesting guy is Antonio Senzatella. Oh, he's good. That's who, right, he's good. He goes out there and gives you innings, and he almost seventy three innings. He gives uh, you a quality start almost every time out. I mean, you're no, risking. So good. You're risking a lot, but this deep in the draft, I'm considering taking him. I think there's some I need innings, and I think I think he can give them to me.
0: Look, you know, looks like I can make contact off
2: him, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's not good, <laughs> but but he he apparently has some deception working because I mean, his XERA is like I don't know four and a half or something terrible. I mean, his it's all smoke and mirrors of how good he was last yeah, his year. His
1: Sierra is over five, yeah.
2: So, I mean, there's there's play to not like. Well, he's very uh, good
1: at limiting contact, that was all really Oh, go- really, really good. The elevation basket's really good, mm-hmm. so I- uh, guy. but it is interesting
2: though, he does. He goes out there and uh, even though he gets hit hard, he goes six and seven innings constantly. And he, the, you know what the thing is? You're never getting a gem out of him. He's never going to give up zero earned runs. He's going to give up two. He's going to give up three. He's going to give up four, but he's going to do it over like six, seven,
1: eight innings. I'm uh, sorry, calling BS. I'm calling BS. I have to call BS because oh I am the money start guy. Sanzitella had three money starts, Matt. How about a complete game, one earned run at Oakland? How about eight innings, no earned runs at Houston, and how about seven innings, no earned runs versus the Padres? Well, here Come we on. go.
2: How how many of those are you? How about this? I'm not talking about what he's gonna do. I'm talking about what I'm expecting. How many of those do you think he has? How many bullets do you think he has in the gun for those in 2021?
1: Well, I, maybe he's got. He just seems to have the Padres number. He went six and one against the Padres, seven and zero. Oh, then they got him six and four. But I mean, overall, that's pretty good. He dominated them. He was very good against. The Dodgers got him once. Arizona got him once. But, yeah, he just – he comes up on my distance boards and he comes up on my money start um, list. It was funny. I didn't even realize a complete game was there. You know, that's – hey, man. Hey,
2: we're getting, like you said, we're, get, we're getting into the dredges here. The so you muck have
1: to... into my baby. Nobody's
2: oh, really just...
0: that good, except for all the
2: sleepers.
1: Uh, I'm visibly yeah. upset. Come on, baseball pods drafted Jake Bowers. That's my guy,
2: man. Yeah, one of the few guys that were multi position left that was going to play every day, first outfield. I, oh, I, I have my eye on him, he's too. So... You know what? That, that, that Cleveland
0: outfield is a good monopoly board Bowers, Daniel Johnson, and um, Zimmer.
2: Oh, yeah. I... <laughs> Hey, and Mercado, and Mer- I think Mercado ends up starting for the record. Matt, why do I hate, I hate him so much now? Because you had 100 um, shares last year, and he burned yeah. you. That's <laughs> a good reason to hate
0: him.
2: That's what happened. No, that's what you're right.
0: That's what that's happened. A, that's a good of a reason to hate any individual I could think of.
2: I love talking to uh, Br- talk to uh, Couplery um, uh, over on the uh, <laughs> over on the uh, was it the FDN uh, one with uh, with Maddie Wood. Uh bring up um, Tommy Edmond, <laughs> just to hear his reaction.
1: Man, I I loved Mercado. You were right, and he was so he was so bad. It was uh, just about as bad as it gets. And I guess he listened. The price is perfect, and I don't mean me need to go back on that train if you can get it really late. I don't know if I can take Sensatell. By the way, I'm
2: probably gonna take Rich Hill. I don't know if I can stomach it.
1: Well, I, Matt, I think I, I think it's a pretty good. Comp, but yeah, I wouldn't blame you. I think the watch quality...
0: Mason and streamer both take take both of them are back uh, we'll to back. Double sniped coming
2: up. Yeah, that would be. I'll, I have a third option ready to go. So I'm well. Ready. Plus,
1: if you were going to go, if you were actually going to go with a Rockies pitcher, I think Freeland is still out there. I'm like I think I'd prefer Freeland over Sensatella.
2: Yeah, you know what the thing is is the di- the distance just you know intrigued me, but yeah, yeah I no, mean no, you're right. It's 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 probably a terrible decision. And he strikes literally nobody out
1: yeah that's the problem although you know I had seen that and uh it's it's definitely no accident I was looking at I was trying to look at um pitching stats by percentile by team like grouped in teams to like look and see uh running themes and it's funny you could tell that the uh the Rockies like that's no accident like they do that on purpose you know they have Centatella, Marquez, and Freeland all had ground ball percentages over 50 and fly ball rates below 29. You know, to put together that kind of staff, it's just not an accident.
0: Well boys, uh, we went I think we've um, if we talk any longer, the Jays are gonna make another signing. All right.
2: <laughs> what are we up to three? Are we up to three hours yet? <laughs>
0: No, we're not at a record for my podcast, notoriously long. So um, I'll have to wrap it up on that. I appreciate you guys taking the time. We covered a lot. It was a great episode. I learned a lot. I learned my team was not as good as I thought it was. Um, uh, but uh, no, I, I
1: no,
0: it's good. It was good. I love this. It was a great chat. This is a good episode, and I will um, talk to you guys. We'll see you guys in the in the chat room.
2: All right. see you thanks for having us on all
0: right yeah again uh, um, johnny at uh, mlb moving AVG and then uh, What's that? matt williams at matt williams with sevens instead of l's is that
2: what it is absolutely m-a-t-t-w-i-7-7-i-m-s
0: all right boys take it easy
1: see ya. yeah peace yeah.